You know, I, I think it's better to think life and live life delusionally optimistic. A base jumper is clinging to a cliff after a stunt went terribly wrong in Arizona. It spun him around and angled him right into the cliff face. I'm hanging on this wall, not in the harness. I unhear. I call it a oh crap jump. The daredevil has jumped off a skyscraper in Panama. He's gone wind walking. Now, folks might be asking the question, is he going to jump again? The answer is a definitive yes. What is up, guys? Welcome to Thoughtcast. My name is Sumi. Today, we got my boy, Mr. Johnny DeJulius. Johnny DeJulius. Man, I can't even speak today. Appreciate you for being on, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Big shout out to K&D for allowing us to use this amazing penthouse space to throw the podcast in. Really appreciate them. If you're in the Cleveland area, check them out. But Johnny, okay. Now, let me just start off with this. I actually did a lot of research on you. Yeah, okay, you do your homework. Yeah, yeah, I do my homework, right? There's a lot of cool stuff about you. I appreciate it. You do a lot of, a lot of random things. Okay, so if I go to your Instagram... And I look at your your lifestyle is absolutely insane, by the way. Right? Thank you. Thank it's you. like you try to have fun. It looks cool, but it almost looks too cool. Where I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, do I want to do these things that he's doing? But I want to talk about your background with like wrestling. Yeah, I think absolutely. You're, you're a big wrestler. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about how you got into wrestling. So I uh, how I got into wrestling. We can deep right away if that's all right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I was uh, five or six years old. My mom uh, wanted, or my, I'm sorry, my dad played baseball his whole life. He wanted me to play baseball. I like baseball. Baseball's great. He played in college. But I just had so much energy in, like, the wintertime when there was no sports going on. I was obviously too fucking small to play basketball, right? Mm-hmm. So I had too much energy. They're like, okay, how can we burn this kid out and have him go to bed at night? So my mom brings me to my first ever wrestling practice, right? So I started wrestling. Uh, ended up going to Walsh Jesuit, wrestled there, went to Ohio State, wrestled there. Side note, just because I said we're getting deep right away and, uh, and we're already bringing up my mom, she brought me my first wrestling practice. Unfortunately, she passed away when I was 16, but I actually got her uh, signature tattooed on the side that I get my hand raised in wrestling. So every win, you know, I get to, see, get to say what's up to my mama. That's awesome, man. So you, did you want to play other sports besides wrestling or was like wrestling? No, I, I well... I, I was really good really young, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like I was playing a sport. I know it like sounds so casual, but mm-hmm. it was like that was my life. I wanted to go to the Olympics when I was in sixth grade, right? Now, obviously, Olympic athletes, especially in wrestling, is ages 25 to 30, but that, that's where I was. There's certain awards when you're young, uh, rest of the year, stuff like that, and I was like sixth grade, seventh grade, and under rest of the year. So I was good really young, and I almost took – my approach to high school the same way as most people would take an approach to college, like getting recruited, looking for a high school specifically for wrestling, nothing else, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I knew I was wrestling my whole life once I was, you know, eight years old. I like the discipline of fighting a lot. Like, I think that everyone should have a function. You watch MMA? Yes, I do. Word. Yeah. Right. So, I, when I was younger, right, the reason I asked this is because my story, so I used to do jujitsu a lot, right? Oh, no way. Yeah, for years. Uh-oh. I'm fucking up. No, you're good, dude. You're good. You got it? Um, do me a favor. Well, can you lower the temperature a little bit? Like a, t- a degree or two? This is going to burn us. All right, we good. We back. Stay, see if that stays. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Just, just take the thing. Just put it on the ground. You don't mind? Yeah, I don't care. All right, shout, shout, shout out to Aquapana. Aquapana. <laughs> so when, um, when I was younger, the, my father passed away when I was 12, right? Oh, wow. Okay, I'm so sorry to hear that. So, yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, dude, it's crazy. Not, not that it's a good thing. No, but, but it's, we, it's, it's something to vibe on for sure. 100%. Yeah. Because in the most messed up way, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't 
I don't think I'd be as successful. I don't think I'd be as driven, yeah. as appreciative, as grateful. Kind of sounds messed up to say, but like... No, it's not messed up. Because I, I know what you mean. Because it's like, you're not wishing for one or the other, but you're only left with the silver lining, so you might as well hone in on it. You yeah, know what I mean? 100%. So I 100% agree with that. And like, people get weird about talking about like people say your mom jokes right it's a yeah. common thing so if somebody you know when especially when you're younger obviously mm -hmm. not now i'm 30 but it's like oh you know your mom haha -ha, and then look at me and be like oh sorry and it's almost like i don't like that because as you know people try to jump around mm -hmm. the dad conversation yes 100%. but talking about my mom keeps her alive mm -hmm. in spirit at least right mm -hmm. so it's like no, no no it's okay you could say mom like does anybody you ever get this like hey what's your parents do and they say yes yeah. oh sorry i didn't mean to say parents right and then i get weird about it it's like motherfucker it's fine you could just talk like a like just be normal because you know it's you funny know? people ask like what do your parents do i'll be like oh my mom researcher what about your dad <laughs> um, oh, he passed away. He was in right. research. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know how I say it? It's because I, I feel like this gets a better reaction. I say, oh, he's with me in spirit. Or I'm sorry, she's with me in spirit. Mm -hmm. I always say it like that. And then they're like, like it's almost like a positive reaction other than like, oh, they died. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And now it's like, okay, they don't know where to go with the conversation. 100% because you, know? you, you, you don't know. Some people don't know how to deal with that trauma, right? Right. Like, or how to like, oh, was he still upset about it? But honestly, it, it helped me become such a good person in the most messed up way because we had to move when I was a kid. And Where were you living? I was living in New Jersey, right? We got this house I lived in New, New Brunswick. That's crazy, man. I coached at Rutgers. Small, dude, Rutgers is crazy. Yeah. Man. That's awesome, man. Small world. So I lived in Jersey, Marlton, South Jersey, right? Uh, so you're Cherry Hill. You're Taylor Ham? Yeah. Is that Taylor Ham or Pork Roll? I forget which it is up there. I'm not too sure what the ge geography. No, no, no. no. That, that, it's, never mind. It's a, Jersey people will know this. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I lived in Jersey for a little bit. Well, I actually lived in Jersey for a little bit. Yeah. And then we moved to Mar um, Maryland, Baltimore. Cherry Hill is almost Philly. Yeah, it's 20 minutes from Philly. Yeah. It's real close. Williamstown. I used to jump there a lot. A lot Dude, of skydiving. You've been everywhere, man. You were <laughs> I tried to. You were just in Iceland, right? Switzerland or? No, I was in Switzerland okay. and Italy last month, and then I just got back from Alaska. So a bunch of cold, bunch of cold stuff. You like the cold lately. weather? I like anything, dog. That's yeah. I'm gonna whatever. get into that. I'm gonna get into yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get into it. We, Let's I talk moved, about dead parents first. Go ahead. I'm a, I moved to uh, Baltimore, right? <laughs> and then. Uh, Dude, I got in a lot of fights when I was a kid. Like, like Baltimore's turd. Dude, I, yeah. so my mom worked all the time like because my father passed, had to make money, right? So she worked all the time, walked to school. Dude, fights every day. Yeah. Like half the time. Were you, were you in East Baltimore, were you? I was in like, it's, it's called, it was on the street called Cranbrook. Um, I love- uh, Towson, like Towson area. I don't yeah, know. I know Towson. Yeah, I, there's a college in Towson, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love- um, Towson Tigers. I love, this is so touristy, but I love Inner Harbor. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes Inner Harbor from, from Baltimore. From Baltimore, yeah. But yeah. it's like tourists. You know, you just walk around. It's easy. But it's nice, though. No, there's a lot of stuff to do there. Baltimore is actually a huge city. It's just like yeah. Baltimore is one of those cities that like you go to and you're like on the outside, dude, dangerous. Like real dangerous. No, you go there. It's cool. It's like Philly, too. Philly's yeah. the same. But it's like, oh, once I'm here, this is a nice little, nice little spot for sure. But uh, kind of coupling with, with what you're saying about uh, – losing your dad there's a, a domino effect to like who you are today successful podcast this that and the other right i i have a whole thing about this i call it the pothole theory i don't know if you ever like seen when you did your homework i talk about this a lot on podcasts so basically for me it's my corny cheesy way of a silver lining right are silver linings cheesy yeah are cliches cheesy yes but do they lack truth absolutely not they are true that's why they're cliches right so for me i call it the pothole theory because Name anything that we're excited about on, on a daily basis. Maybe you're in a car and you're driving to see 
all your old buddies from Baltimore. You have a pregame. You're about to see all them. You haven't seen them in years. Maybe it's college buddies, high school buddies, whatever it is. Maybe you're going to a concert, uh, something small. Your, your, your buddy's playing in a band, and, and you're going to miss him if you're late, or you're going on a flight, whatever it is. All of a sudden, you hit a pothole. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not, the qui- I'm not the most manly guy in the world. I can't change a tire that fast. It'll probably take me 20, maybe 25 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I have to pull 300 things out of the trunk, get the fucking tire out, all this good stuff, right? So you're going to miss your flight. You're going to miss the little band set. They're going to be gone. The pregame, maybe they moved on to the bar at this point. It almost, in a way, is the worst part of your day, mm-hmm. right? That, that pothole is the worst part of your day. So you get in the car, you start driving. 25 minutes later, you're about a mile or two down the road from where you got in an accident at, the, the, uh, not accident, but flat tire at, and you see a, a real car accident, right? Maybe there's ambulances. Maybe it's fatal. Now, to us, we just look at it and go, damn, that sucks, and we keep driving. But in the grand scheme of things, universe-type stuff, oh, wow, had I not hit that pothole, I would have been a part of that car accident, right? right? So I, again, cliche, always think, you know, you're always where you're supposed to be type thing. So, so it's not the, oh, this set me up, and I can now look at it and actually see where I would have been had this bad thing not happened to me. Sometimes my favorite things to think about is the stuff, the accident I, I didn't even know would have happened. I hit this pothole. I only see the pothole. So I only see the bad. I don't realize it saved me from this car accident. So I, I like thinking about life like that. And, you know, it's, it's easy to make that about us, about ourselves. Like, okay, I hit this pothole. I'm always where I'm supposed to be. Then people ask me this question. Well, what happens when you die? You're not where you're supposed to be, but you are. Because that means you only think about yourself. Mm-hmm. If I passed away, maybe it was where I'm supposed to be because had I stayed alive, I would have you know, done something terrible down the road accidentally. You know, I, mean, I don't know, right? So, like, I like to think of life like that, and I think that there's a lot of potholes that set you up to where you're going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Domino effect down the road. Would I rather have my mom than a silver lining? Of course, but that's all I have. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mine as well. You know, I, I think it's better to think life and live life delusionally optimistic, in my opinion. <laughs> that's a very good perspective. So you basically you're making the best out of every single situation. Try to. I mean, it's hard. You know. Yeah. Obviously. Shit happens, you know, you hit a pothole, you really wanted to go on a trip. It's like, fuck, I really wish I didn't hit that pothole. It's, it's, it's hard to know what the alternative would have been, but I like to think that the alternative that I have is better. Because I understand what you're saying, and it's a good thing, because if you preoccupy your mind with all the parallel universes that could have existed, you jump into this. It's like analysis paralysis. Like, okay, I could have had this, or I could have been early, and I could have seen Stacy there, and Stacy would have liked me, and then we That's went to the bar. That's wild. Do you not know what that is? That's my mom's name, bro. Oh, that is crazy. Stacy, I'm a. What that the is crazy. Fuck? They're gonna think we clickbait. By the this way, shit. this is not. That's crazy. <laughs> that <laughs> it's is on my arm. That's crazy. That's dude. crazy. That is hilarious, dude. That's not even my like go-to name. Yeah. My go-to name for every like example Megan. is Sarah or Mary. Yeah, I like, say Megan for everything. That's hilarious, dude. I okay. say Megan and Kevin. That's my guy. That is man. crazy. But it's like one of those things where like I could have done this and I could have done that if I had. <laughs> you know, I actually was talking to a, a, a lady very recently. Um, she was in a pageant, very successful, low-key, like, up there in, in the, mm. the runway pageants, right? She almost had number one, right? And she was always she, – she feels really upset because she couldn't get number one. I'm like, listen, like, you're exactly where you need to be because you learned from the whole situation. Yeah, but when people, we say that because I agree with you. When we say that, there's a bunch of junior high fucking coaches out there that never played anything in their life, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you think everybody gets a ribbon. You think everybody should get – that's not what we mean. It's actually the opposite. You know what I mean? I can go into that later when we start talking about wrestling stuff, but whenever I say, like, yo, you are where you're supposed to be. You should take advantage of, you know, hey, you came in second, you came in third, you wanted to come in first. 
but look at it in a positive way. Yeah. And people look at that like, like, oh, that's soft. And it's like, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I coach at the highest level. You have no idea what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And it makes me mad. Sorry. That's, yeah, sorry, go in, go in. It makes me mad when people do that. But yes, go ahead. So this was a situation where she was very upset because she didn't get number one. Mm-hmm. Literally, I mean, in a lot of competitive levels, you get number one and like, a, you win the Super Bowl, for example. The, the second team is like, chill. Super Bowl to the moon. Like, parade, everything. everything. City gets money. Billions of dollars come in. Like, it's just, you're a hair away. and The margin for victory is very small. The defeat and the rejection is very heavy. But I think, like, yeah, it's 100%. Like, if you make the best out of every single situation, you're going to be in a better place mentally. It's, it's this. Positive thoughts, positive emotions, right? Then you have positive actions, and then you have positive results. Mm. That's all it is. So if you think positively, you're going to feel good. When you feel good, you're going to do good. When you do good, you're going to get good results. Those good results are going to help you but if you think negatively obviously follow the train you have negative results boom you have negative results i didn't do well now you think negatively it never stops it becomes this negative feedback loop that continues magnifying and amplifying in your life do you know the uh what the term pronoia is no so paranoia obviously is the world is out to get me pronoia would be the opposite pronoia would be the opposite the world the universe is conspiring in my favor so kind of like the pothole theory right similar Mm -hmm. it's I'm always where I'm supposed to be. Is it delusionally optimistic? Yeah. But again, I'd rather be that direction, right, than the other side. I think a lot of things are habitual. So actually, you know, I'll talk about base jumping a little bit. A lot of people look at our reactions as, oh, that's just part of my personality. I think a lot of things when it comes to reactions is a muscle memory. It's the same way I had this wrestler at Ohio State named Kyle Snyder. Kyle Snyder, uh, Mike knows. He's a, uh, an Olympic champ, Olympic gold medalist, youngest Olympic gold medalist ever. I'm sorry, youngest world champ ever, Olympics, worlds, different years, right? Kyle would always talk about at practice muscle memory with your mind. The same way a fighter would train a combination, mm-hmm. it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I block here, I return with the left, right? Whatever it is, your mind, how you react to things, should also be a muscle memory. Contrary to what a lot of athletes and coaches think, it's not like, oh, I need to will it together. Oh, you got to want it more than the other guy. You know how fucking cheesy that is? Mm-hmm. Every coach says that. Hey, you got to want it more than the other What happens when both people want it, right? <laughs> and it's almost, it's almost a discredit to, to me if you say the only reason I won is because I wanted it more. What if my offense was better than their defense? Oh, if they just wanted it, they would have beat me? That's not how it should work, right? Mm-hmm. It's my offense was better than their defense, I, uh, my defense was better than their offense. That's how the sport, at a certain level, a lot of people fucking want it. Now, do people quit at times? Of course, but that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, back to what I'm saying. When Kyle's in, ro- in, in the practice room, he'll say something along the lines of protect nothing. He'll just say it to himself. When he's exhausted, when he doesn't want to be there anymore, those voices start talking. Oh my gosh, I want to go home. How much time is left? Uh, how, what's my weight at? How's my weight cut going? This, that, and the other. When those dark thoughts start to happen, he says, protect nothing. When he says, protect nothing to himself, he chooses to step forward, to shoot, to attack, whatever it is. He just makes a conscious effort to do something the second he tells himself, protect nothing, right? Protect nothing can be attributed to don't protect your gas tank, don't protect your record, don't protect your reputation, whatever it is, right? All of a sudden, we're in a real match. He doesn't want to be there. He's in the third period. The voices are talking. Everything hurts type moment, right? The dark thoughts are coming, right? He says, protect nothing to himself. Maybe he's communicated it with his coach. His coach says, protect nothing. He doesn't want to step forward. 
But because of muscle memory, right, he mm. only knows how to do one thing. He steps forward, he attacks, he, he whatever it is. I did this in base jumping. When you're jumping on a fucking, when, off a building, you don't want to jump. It's crazy, right? Mm. I, every fear crippling thought is going through your head. I don't want to step off this building. I don't want to jump right now. This is stupid. This is scary, right? I say, I stood on a curb, and I said, three, two, one, see it, right? Three, two, one. I stood on a curb, and I said, three, two, one, see it. I would step off the curb, pretend I threw my parachute. I did this a thousand times before my first base jump. Then I started with bridges, and all of a sudden, I started doing buildings, cliffs, more technical stuff. So it's not just you just one day... Crane, climb, go. No, no, no. There's a whole, and we can get into that. It starts with skydiving. It's a whole progression, right? But long story short, when I say three, two, one, see ya, there's a lot of times I don't want to jump. But because my body hears that and only knows how to start, it just naturally, habitually takes over. 100%. I think responding to adversity is the same way, though. Yep. Now, it's very hard to tell somebody how to respond to things that I've never experienced, right? God forbid someone gets taken advantage of. Someone goes through something traumatic with, with, with I never experienced divorce, even stuff like that. But I've lost people close to me. And it's funny when people, people who tend to complain the most, at least in my life, and this might be a little bit of a statistical bias, right? But the people who complain the most in my life are the people who haven't dealt with as much adversity, mm-hmm. which is very strange. It's almost like sharpening your blade. You know what I mean? It's like because I've dealt with a lot of shit, it's like I know how to process it and work through it and then, hey, get something good, silver lining to come out of it. That's exactly you know why, I mean? t- circling back, I was grateful that my father passed right. away. It's, it's weird to say grateful, though. It, like, it, it's people messed don't, up. People hear that and they're like, hold on, Were asshole. you wishing for your yeah, parents right? to pass away? they don't away? get it. But yes, you're right. 100%. Because 100%. there's a kid somewhere out there in the world Great family, amazing, has everything. And everything's gone. And fortunately, good so far. For them, right. yeah. And when you over-shelter children even, they don't know how to deal with their boss firing them, with their flat tire, with their pothole, with being 25 minutes oh, late. Now, now we can start talking. This is my <laughs> stuff. Okay, I love this. I'll get back to Ohio State. I had a coach there who talked about uh, a, a cup of water. I'll use this. You got this cup of water, right? You know Travel Delagnev, obviously. You got a cup of water. And wrestling, and all sports are like this. I'm biased. I think wrestling's, you know, the toughest sport in the world. Lacrosse players think lacrosse. Football thinks, you know, right? I think wrestling. So just go with that for a second. So if this water has dirt in it and I let it sit for, you know, a long time, what happens to the dirt in the water? Probably goes down. Yeah, the the dirt obviously separates and and the water's on top. So that would be a life of of ease. If I take a sip, I'm not going to taste the dirt, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what does wrestling do every single day? Well, it shakes your water. Yep. Every single day, your water, your canister, your glass is getting shook. And the feedback loop we get in wrestling is, boom, I take a sip. Oh, you're not fast enough. You're not strong because I'm tasting dirty water every single day. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do sprints. Someone's saying overtime, and I didn't expect it to be overtime, and all this good stuff is happening, and I hate my life for two hours, right? I'm constantly suffering, but I'm choosing to be there. So every day, my water is getting shook. So every single day, I'm simulating turbulence. I'm simulating hardship. All of a sudden, I get to the real world. What happens? Well, something bad. I break my leg. I have to deal with that. My, my girlfriend cheats on me. I have to deal with that. My wife leaves me. I have to deal with that. Whatever it is. My, my mom passes away. My dad passes away. Real-life turbulence happens. Well, guess what? Is it going to be easier because I've been there before? No. But it will be manageable because every single day, I simulated shaking my water bottle. Every single day, I simulated turbulence, dirty water, feedback loop. Okay, you have to process this and then pro- you know, progress, get through this, right? Mm-hmm. So people look at sports and they look at these very shallow metaphors like, oh, hard work, you can get anywhere. It's so much deeper than that, yes. right? Sports 
is such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to to take a kid when he's in adolescence or she's in adolescence and go through these different types of trusting, right? Trusting a coach, learning how to trust a coach, learning how to process adversity, learning how to get through things. It's such a beautiful thing. And I wish more people, you know, appreciated sports in that aspect, you know, outside of just the, oh, this guy lost me money this week. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> I was about to say. F shit pisses me off. Ohio man. is so big on sports betting right now. It's absolutely insane. But shout out to Better. I don't know if I can say that. Shout out to Better, say, Jake yeah. Paul's company. Sorry, but yes, the, it's not the betting that makes me mad. I like betting. I, I like gambling. I go to the Jack all the time. It's the it's the personality that comes with the Better. Mm-hmm. People dehumanize. Exactly. Athletes. I was literally about literally right? about to say that we dehumanize athletes mm-hmm. and we say things like "fucking asshole," and then they'll say something racist or something sexist. But you know what's crazy? Fucked up. I'll go to the bar and I'll see some guy. Yeah. This is this sounds messed up. All right, number one. You'll see a dude eating a burger. The quarterback misses throw. Oh, what an idiot! I'm like, that dude's an idiot. That dude yeah, making you're sitting here eating a fucking burger. Exactly. Shut that, up. That dude making six million a year, right. banging he's, a girl that you could never get. He's like, paid to, to make that catch. No, he's paid to try to make that catch. Guess what? It doesn't happen sometimes. 100%. That's okay. Uh, I do want it before we get off it. I want to go back to to my mom real quick. I do love talking about this, especially on podcasts. Uh, shout out to my mom first of all. Shout out to your dad too. But what was your dad's name? Ramesh. Ramesh? Yeah. With an R. Starts with an R? Yeah, yeah. Ramesh? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm assuming he's Indian as well? Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. Is your mom Indian? Yep. Oh, nice. So, okay. I'd like to talk about this. Tell me your favorite movie. Or a movie that you like. I'm a big movie person. I love Lion King. Okay. Give me the... the for, I already know what scene you're going to Yeah, dude. Say. You already know. Yeah. It's the when he's talking to the monkey? Yep. Okay. What does he say? So, first thing, first thing, before I go to Lion King. The reason I love the Lion King so much is because... It literally is a story of someone that loses their father. True that. I remember watching the line. So I, I don't know why we put on a movie in like, after my father passed away, I was in school. We, um, at school, you watched Lion King? We watched The Lion King again. I've seen the movie before. And dude, it made me like, yeah, I was different. hysterically crying. Yeah. Like, and my, my science teacher was like, I didn't think he would have a reaction like this. Not in a bad You're way. 13 was, years old. <laughs> yeah, dude, I just lost my dad. I was like, dude, because when the, he fell off the, the thing. And um, the, scar, the scar. scar yeah. yeah. Oh, that part. That part is, I don't even know. So the monkey, talking to the monkey is good. I don't know. Let me, let me backtrack a bit here. My favorite parts of that movie were probably when he talks about everything the light touches is our kingdom. That's right. one thing I really like. The, actually, I like the, the death scene. I hate to say it. No, that's all right. Well, pause about that real quick. So I ask you, think of a scene. Mm-hmm. You just gave me three. Mm-hmm. Why was none of those scenes that you thought of, the first scene you think of in your head, the end credits? Because that'd be silly, right? Right, right. So you bring up my mom. Someone says a your mom joke accidentally. Someone says, hey, what do your parents do? Mm-hmm. And they say the S at the end. I don't have to think of the end credits of my mom's life. You don't have to think of the end credits of your dad's life. That's if right. you passed away right now, would you want me to hear sue me and immediately be followed with, oh. That was a very sad funeral. Yeah, you wouldn't want that. Yeah. You'd want me to hear, sue me, that motherfucker was a, he's such an idiot, This brother. one time. You know, yeah, do- exactly. So my mom, you know, she's, you say, is it okay to mourn? Absolutely. It's okay to mourn. There's times, there's places to do all that stuff, to miss, to be sad. I'm not against being sad. I watched Inside Out last night. I get it. Sadness <laughs> is important. But that's actually true. I did watch Inside Out last night. But the point is, I like to talk about my mom a lot because it keeps her alive. Yep. And when you say and you bring up my mom, my first thought is not followed by a negative emotion. It usually, to the best of my ability, is followed by a positive emotion. Remember when she took me when I was 10 years old to Disney World? Whatever it is. We played hooky. We did this. I like to think of life like that. So I, I like to use that movie theater metaphor, you know, the movie metaphor, just as, as a way to explain to people who haven't lost somebody, uh, 
it doesn't have to be the end credits of somebody's life, right? Mm -hmm. the, 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 the leaving of this world doesn't have to be a sad thing all the time. I miss them. That's sad. Yes. But the memories, I'd rather have those than no memories at all type thing. No, that's amazing. I like how you immortalize your mom's memory a lot. That's I like that word. That was cool. That's very good. Yeah. That's the same thing. I, so the reason I go so hard in business, number one. What, can you talk a little bit about your business? I do a lot of things. I have, I'm investing in a lot of companies. I'm a silent investor in a lot of companies, so I get like 5 to 8%. My main money- Are you, are you, are you Ozarks? Is that, is that no, what you're- No, no, I'm one of those guys. You're an angel investor? Just silent no, partner? No. That's, a, that's a great show, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's good. I, I, dude, I bet the tourism went up like crazy after that. In the that. Ozarks? I, yeah. I heard of it for years. I had this- uh, Volleyball friend at Ohio State who lived in Missouri, and she always told me about it. Apparently, the it's nuts yeah. there during like yeah. the, the boating season. Like, Independence Day is crazy. I, yeah, crazy. I bet. But not an angel investor like that. But my financial firm, so I do financial services. We do like insurance and healthcare. That's gotcha. like my big bread and butter. I made a lot of money doing that. A lot of people ask me, like, where is my money from? Right. And I'll break it down real easy. I made a lot of money with insurance. I was just a very good in insurance, it's commission sales, right? You're recruiting people to sell a certain product. We have a portfolio. We sell those products and we put retirement planning, funerals, final expenses, hmm. uh, mortgage protection, that kind of stuff. I was just able to build a system. It sounds like very vague, but I basically recruited a lot of agents. I handled their back-end contracts and I built a large arsenal of agencies, of under agencies in the insurance business. With that money that I made from there, I invested into other companies, right? So there was a situation that happened recently. The, um, I'm sure you remember the BLM riots, right? Of course, yeah. Riot damage is not covered by insurance. Right? I know. That was crazy. I saw a lot of businesses go under because of that. So people that were sucked. like protecting their restaurants and their businesses with that kind of stuff all yeah. over the United States. Like that was a big thing, Risking right? Risking their, their, their health and their life. Right, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, that situation, for example, there was a lot of damage that was done. These, this was during COVID. A lot of restaurants lost money. Mm. And so next thing you know, boom, riot damage. You're in the hole again, 30000 Here I come. Hey, I'll give you XYZ amount of money for a certain percentage of equity. When you rebuild, you have the option to buy me back out. Oh, cool. And so I bought into 20 to 30 businesses at the time. Uh, all in Cleveland area? Not all in the Cleveland area, but kind of in the United States. And a lot of them- I saved a lot of people. Yes. And it was, you know, it's a difficult deal for them because like, look, I had this business for nine years. If it wasn't for COVID, which will pass, I would be fine. But, I, but that's a, another pothole. A lot COVID of businesses, a lot of business owners don't save their money. They yeah. don't hold their money and they don't expect the rainy day to happen. They expect a bad year. They don't expect a complete national shutdown, business right. pandemic, put the, the mask on the face, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the riot to break down their store for 30000 Like They don't expect that. So I was able to buy in a lot of that stuff. And my philosophy was build the one thing up really hard so where I can invest and leverage into things. Financial services is not a fun industry, right? It's a very boring industry. People ask me. It's an industry that makes the most millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, but it allows you to do a lot of stuff outside of it, though. 100%. Yeah. When, when my, so when I moved to Baltimore— my mom. Oh, made, you started doing this in Jersey? No, no, no. I moved to Baltimore, right? Went to high school there, and then I moved to Cleveland. You didn't live in India ever, did you? I did live in India really? for a while. Really? In yeah. Mumbai? No, in uh, Hyderabad. It's the oh, third wow. largest city in India. What year What year were you? That was like the 90s, right? 94. So it, was bon was, it was Bombay back then, not no, Mumbai. It was still high. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that. that part, I'm saying, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. I said it wrong, which is why I was correcting myself. Yeah, so. Hyderabad was also called something else. It was called Andhra Pradesh. Yeah, so many, so many uh, cities and towns changed. Dude, India is a whole, it's a whole different, different place now, world, yeah. man. Like, because the thing is, it's so decentralized. You go to like California, there's a Sunoco, there's a BP, there's XYZ McDonald's there. In India, you go an hour over, it's like, dude, whole different language, whole different place. It's insane. But the big thing I was trying to say here was, I want to immortalize my father's name by creating as many businesses as I can, and by like 
having his, oh, that's his son. Oh, that, because in the Indian community, they don't refer to you by you. They refer to you by like, oh, this is his son. Oh, that's, interesting. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And that last name is a very powerful thing. It's so important in Indian culture. And that's why I go so hard in business because number one, this t- complete side note, when my Indian culture and Hinduism, no, no shots at Hinduism here. It's honestly one of the best religions in the world. Are you Hindu? In a way, I'll tell you okay. exactly why. Is that Krishna, right? That's there's a lot of gods in Hinduism, okay. right? I thought Krishna was the main, but maybe not. There's the there's a lot of Krishna is one of the main main gods. There's there's a lot of different gods, yeah. but Hinduism is very adoptive of other religions, right? And one thing that Hinduism, the dark side of it, is when you become a widow, you are worthless in the traditional eye because you're a bad omen. So you're not invited to weddings, rituals, birthday. Like I mean, you're a leper. Yeah, basically, yeah. The, the modern community is not like that. Like they're like, whatever, you're a widow. Like, come over. It's fine. Spend some time with us. My mom's friend from college started inviting her over. She was Christian. Started inviting her over. Come to church with me. Come to Thanksgiving with me. Come over here with me. And that's how I started going to church way back in the day. And, like, I'll be honest with you. I was, like, not with it. Like, I was, like, I don't need this. Like, the world's a terrible place. My father passed away. Like, you can't convince me otherwise. But, honestly, the pastor was just such a good guy. But it was one of those things that, like, I wanted to become so successful that, like, I outdid the whole yeah conspiracy like now it's funny right probably some hopefully some indian people that know my mom listen to this now they're nice to my mom because i'm making a little bit of money i'm a son i'm not married right i'm single it's like a complete she's not a bad omen exactly look now, yeah. now she's getting invited places interesting which is weird because first off you're a citizen of the united states and you're indian big Does up. she stay in cleveland she stays in maryland oh she's in maryland right now nice. yeah so then you make a little bit of money um you're, you're you're looked upon as well like good in the indian community so because of that like my dad's name, the success, it's huge for me, you know? That's interesting, yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. I like that your motivation and inspiration is, is very internal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I talk about this a lot with kids. I do a lot of camps, a lot of clinics, wrestling-wise. And whenever we do things, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of the cliche things people tell us to be motivated about are very external. Yes. And an external motivator can be taken away anytime. An example in the sports world would be, hey, you better do an extra push-up. Your opponent is doing an extra push-up. I don't like that. I think that you can latch onto that at times, mm-hmm. right? Even in the business world, people would be like, hey, you got to outdo your competition. Yes. That's not that, that, that's such a finite, I don't know if you ever listened to uh, Simon Sinek, mm-hmm. yeah. but he talks about this a lot. That's a very finite type of mindset because it's limiting. So here's how, here's how I think of it. If there's this fire right here, mm-hmm. And I take a bunch of lighter fluid and I put it on the fire. What happens to it? Goes crazy. Yeah, it gets crazy. But only for a second, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we use phrases like burnt out, fired up. It can get an external motivator can get you fired up for a second. Yeah. Right? But it can never be your flame. So what's an internal motivator that can't be moved? Right? Hey, you gotta work out because your opponent down the street's working out. Well, what if that motherfucker dies? <laughs> Should I still work out? Probably, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what's an internal motivator? Well, your dad. That's your, your love for him, your care for him, that's never going to leave. So I like when people have an internal motivator or an internal inspiration that, that is immobile, right? It's something that I can latch on to forever. Nothing can change this, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I'm doing this because my, my, my dad's at practice today. Mm-hmm. Well, what if my dad doesn't come to practice today and doesn't watch? Right. Am I still going to do the extra rep? I probably should, yeah. right? But if my only motivator is an external motivation, it's going to be really hard when I'm alone. That's some deep coaching you know what I mean? philosophy. Right yeah, I do, I do that with a lot of coaching stuff. But yeah, it's like to, to think about, you know, inspiration, motivation like that, it, it's hard. 
you know, it's hard for kids to grasp onto because it's so easy. You know why I got so into jujitsu? So I was getting it's a, the fucking best. No, so if when I got in a lot of fights, right, half the time kid would be beat up, half the time I'd be destroyed, right? I'm not a big guy. So yeah. like it would be like street fights and stuff like that. I had two neighbors that were next to me, these two straight off the boat African kids. Dude, saved my life probably so many times. They were like legit, right? Yeah, these, yeah. these guys would like they live right next door to me. They were like get me out of bad situations. But I would get so angry. And one of my best friends in high school, his dad was on an MMA academy, a jiu-jitsu academy. One day he just grabbed me, just choked me, choked me, right? Yeah. And I was like, are you gi or no gi? Uh, no gi, no okay, gi. Okay, good. So, nice. so he choked me and I was like, I was like, he's like, get angry. Go, get angry. Go get mad. Go get the textbook and throw it at me. Like he was just choking. <laughs> Do something back. He's like, you have to think yeah. when you get, when things get bad, you have to think even more. Yeah. So when there's pressure on your neck, on your body, you can't just flail you out because you'll exhaust yourself. Yeah. And he's like, the more you, 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 you squirm, the more air you're going to lose. And you have to focus on getting your hand under or something like that. So, I mean, dude, that changed my life. That little moment right there. It's like one of those aha cliche yeah. movie mo- moments where it's like, this makes a lot of sense. And that's why I loved MMA because, you know, there's some dudes that are like smaller than me. Like, not, like they look like mighty res- mouse, respectfully like yeah. losers. And they would wreck me. Yeah. They would wreck what's me. The, what's the, uh, the 19-year-old in the UFC right now? What's his name? He looks like Askren. No idea. Hopper. Chase. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's he look he looks like he he's twelve years old and he's he's a killer, dude. It's it's there's another thing with like wrestlers, right? Some wrestlers come off like wrestlers are strong. Like you guys are strong as hell. Mm-hmm. But the problem, like I've I've gone on the match with some yeah, wrestlers. Yeah, we give our necks. You give your necks out. Very, okay, so we're very used to like the the because the, you come on the side. Well, that and and in wrestling and jujitsu, it's very similar. There's mm-hmm. a lot of similarities from outside looking in. It looks the same. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the closer you get, the more differences there are. Our culture is a lot of grind, 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 mm-hmm. right? There's not many adult wrestling classes. Adult wrestling, you know, hey, learn how to wrestle. But there is in jiu-jitsu. Tons. And I'm not, this isn't a slight to jiu-jitsu whatsoever. I love jiu-jitsu. I do jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love jiu-jitsu. But it is a little bit easier on the body in terms of, of impact because, okay, here's another example. If I poke you in the eye and we're doing jiu-jitsu, what do we do? You Right away, we do this. Yeah. All right, if I poke you in the eye in wrestling, people don't give a fuck, right? And that's not like the L oh, wrestling's tougher. It's not. Uh-huh. It's not. It's just a different culture. Yeah. So when we have that same mentality and we come to jiu-jitsu, our faces in your chest, we're getting guillotined, right? Our faces in your chest, we're getting trying. I think that's it's just how a big thing about wrestling. I think I would definitely say wrestling's more intense because, dude, it's like groomed from a childhood. Yeah, it's it's young. It's, you start like, young. it's like in school, yeah. and dude, there's like a thing with it, like. I remember wrestlers would spit in like high school, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Losing weight? Like, yeah, losing <laughs> yeah. weight? Like, not drinking water? I'm like, you guys, you guys look literally insane. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But there's no jujitsu class. And have you competed school. ever? No, dude. I just do it for fun. I do it Good for the for exercise, you. and I don't know what I'd even rank as, but yeah, I, I mean, you're nogi, so yeah. But I mean, if you've been doing it for how many years? I've been doing it for a long time. I stopped during COVID, but I started. What was it? Um, when I was 13 years old. So 13. Yeah. So like, you're at least. Purple, purple belt level. Dude, it's been a long... Yeah. I've, I've been doing it for a while. I love doing it, and I stopped during COVID, but I used to go like once a week Good up for here. You. Yeah, dude. Jiu-Jitsu is... Ins- I like it for the physical. the the Because you never know what you're up against. It's always... It's, there's a lot of critical thinking in well, it. Well, there, there's no... Uh, it doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. If you are a 100-pound little white girl, mm-hmm. and there's a big-ass dude that's, you know, 300 pounds, and you don't have a partner, guess what? You're going to get... That's just how the room is. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Which is cool. Because... I had a buddy of mine from college. Yeah, came over 
jujitsu. He's like, let's go, man. He's like way bigger than me. He's like but six that's one. It, that, that's that's the the vibe. Yeah, yeah, six two, six six one, way bigger than me. Yeah. I'm like, let's hit the mats. He's like, all right, you, you ready? Like, you, I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm used to this, bro, dude. <laughs> Easy, like yeah. he was, he was like losing. He's like, big oh. guys are always the, the most fun to. Uh, I'm gonna sound like Bradley Martin on a podcast yeah. right now. I'm not trying to. Two sixty, but, but, but yeah, right. Big guys are the most fun to grapple with because yeah. you could just use their weight against them so easily, right? It's almost like little guys that are like harder to wrestle sometimes. But I like, uh, I also like that in jujitsu. It's like you just try to break my arm, and I have to sit there and I have to shake your hand, and say thanks, good job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. such a cool, like you yeah. know, it's uh, awesome culture. Yeah, but uh, back to. Uh, I keep going back to the kind of the similar topic. I do want to move on it real quick, but we're talking about so many things that are down this path. And I do like to talk when it comes to like adversity, moms, even wrestling, jujitsu based when something goes wrong. Uh, I do have a little thing I like to call why to what, uh, it's really like a lot of coaches say, I find your why, find your why knowing why you're doing something is important. So that that's a different, that's a different conversation, right? So let's shelf that real quick. A lot of people, when something bad happens, why me? Mm-hmm. Why God? Why? For me. Why does bad things happen to good people? Why did my mom pass away? Why did I have to lose this match? Why did I have to, you know, date this guy, this girl, this whatever? Right? Stuff like that happens. I like to change why to what. Is it easy? No, it's very difficult. But what is a progressive thinking word? While why kind of holds us in the back, it holds us in the past. Why is looking backwards? What is okay? What do I have to do to? get back in this match what do i have to do to get back into this this game this this whatever football basketball this that and the other what do i have to do to get over the loss of my mom what do i have to do to be there for my brothers so what does start the hands moving of hey let's fix this problem you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i like the word what because it pushes me forward and it's a forward-thinking word does that mean i don't sit back and think about my mom sometimes absolutely not of course i do does it mean that you know it's just to me, it doesn't hold me in the past. You know what I mean? So changing why to what is, has been constructive for me, maybe not for everybody, the, but the, I like the that. The big thing, like, here's, here's where I work with a lot of people. I coach a lot of people, right? In what aspect? Literally, dude, I work with... Financial or, or... No, 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 everybody. Five to six years old and, and trauma. Bad oh, situations cool, happen. Cool, Celebrities cool. and athletes with their relationships, their lifestyle, like handling stress. We have a whole private consulting side of ThoughtCast where we work with over 1,000 people last year. And that's a side that nobody oh, sees. Oh, you got a lot. You got you got a lot of hats on. Yeah, yeah no, I do. I, and that's that's hard to like. What do you do? I'm like, who do you want me to be right now? Right. You know, like a, I like to do a lot of random stuff. But I'm a professional life liver. That's how that's, you that's say, how I like bro. to put it. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of times, people get so bogged down and they don't think like that. They yeah. don't say, "What do well, I?" Well, it's, it's easy. I'm. I will say, I'm saying it from a place of comfort right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going wrong. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The second something goes wrong, I will have to be reminded to do that. Right. So like it's easy for me to say all this good advice, this, that, and the other, like, oh yeah, don't think like that. Think of your your deaths and your adversities like a movie. Don't think about the anchor. The second someone passes away, I'm gonna have to be reminded of it. I'm not Superman, right? So saying it from a place of comfort is is easy for us. You know what the Dunning Kruger effect is? Mm-mm. Okay, this is like my favorite thing that happens in, in the world, right? I see it everywhere. The Dunning Kruger effect is drastically underestimating how hard something is. It's called uninformed optimism. So we watch an MMA fight. Yeah. Dude, just hit him. Yeah. Dude, just get up. Someone drops a pass. How could you miss that? You're paid to make that kick. You're paid to make that catch. Whatever it is. From far away, we think things are easier than they are. We have uninformed optimism. All of a sudden, we do something. 
right? We start taking batting practice. Oh, baseball is easy. We start taking batting practice. All of a sudden, we start missing the ball, missing the ball, missing the ball. We have the next step in the thing. It's called informed pessimism. So uninformed optimism, informed pessimism, right? Wow, this is harder than I thought. Yep. If you, most people stop there. Most people go to a new hobby, change sports, whatever it is. They go back. If you stay there long enough, a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever it is, you eventually have the best of both worlds. You have informed optimism. You have, oh, wow, I can do this. It's called a BCA curve. If I want to progress at anything, I'm a B-level student, a B-level wrestler, a B-level whatever, and I want to get to A, most people think progression and, and, and you know, it's all trajectory like linear, right? Yeah. It's, it's not a linear trajectory because we have to get worse before we get better. My dad and I played pool every single night before I go to bed. Every single night, he kicked my ass, right? This is when I was young. I was in junior high. I had a pool table in the basement. We'd play pool. One day, I'm sorry, not one day, in high school, I got decent, enough where I could win one out of five games. He'd still kick my ass, but I could sneak one in here and there. He comes up to me, and he goes, Johnny, you can make these straight in easy shots really easily. If the balls are all spread out, you're good. I said, yeah. He goes, why don't you try putting English on the ball? Okay, what's English? Well, English is curve. So I have this straight and easy shot that I know how to make. Okay, make that. Or I can put a little bit of spin on it. Well, I make my easy shot, and what do I line up? Well, I line up my next shot. So what do you think starts happening? I start missing the straight and easy shot that I usually always make. So I was B-level pool player. I know it's cheesy, but I was a B-level pool player. I started missing a shot that I usually make because I'm putting spin on it. Now I'm at C. My dilemma is, do I keep putting spin on it, keep getting beat by more balls, keep losing more often, keep having my dad make fun of me, keep getting humiliated, and eventually maybe, hopefully, get better, or do I go back to B and put no spin on the ball? Most people go back because it's comfortable. B, C, A. You have to get worse before you get better. So it, it's Dunning-Kruger and, and informative uh, you know, optimism and, and BCA curve and all this stuff. It all ties into to comfort, right? I'm comfortable talking about how easy it would be to get over the loss of a parent. I'm comfortable right now talking about how easy it would be to fight MMA. To I hear it with social media. Dude, people like, you know, what's a, uh, some TikTokers that are recent, Addison Ray. they blew up out of nowhere. They just shake their ass. They just, we have no idea how long some of these people have tried doing things, and they just popped out of nowhere. It's crazy. We have no idea. It's crazy, So yeah. to, to, for us to sit here in a total place of comfort and say, I can do that, you have no fucking idea. It's Dunning-Kruger effect. You have mm-hmm. no fucking idea how hard things actually are until discomfort is introduced. Then you'll know. A lot of people are scared to get uncomfortable. A lot oh, of yeah. people don't like it. You live well, in- we think discomfort is synonymous with, I don't like this. And mm-hmm. that's not true. Yeah. They're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I hate be- sprints. Mm-hmm. I love wrestling. Sprints make me want to quit. I love wrestling, right? But discomfort comes in different shapes and sizes. If I don't like sprints, and all of a sudden one day I'm thinking like, mm, I don't think I should wrestle anymore. I don't like cutting weight. I don't like sprints. I don't like, you know, this hurts. We think all of a sudden, should I quit? Discomfort comes in boredom. Discomfort comes in, uh, I don't feel fulfilled. Discomfort doesn't just come in physical, mm-hmm. right? So trying to avoid discomfort will only cause more discomfort. It's not the discomfort that should make you quit whatever it is you're doing. It's do I actually like this, this thing? If you don't like it, that's fine. But the discomfort will, will, will come in like a very sneaky way and make you think, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. But no, you probably should be, mm-hmm. you know? Let me it's, ask you a question. I'm asking this Sorry, I'm going to run on sentences, no, too. I no, get fired up about this no, shit. No, you're good. You're good. I get so fired, fired, up. fired yeah, up. Yeah, fired up. Right, yeah, exactly. Lighter fluid right now. Do you get? Do you spend a lot of time alone? 
Fuck yeah. Okay. All my trips are alone. Okay. I travel. I've traveled to like 30 different countries alone. Okay. That, that, stop right there. That is scary for it. And I, I love that because I think one of the biggest discomforts that we have in today's world, stimulation, social media, everything. Yeah. We're sitting on the toilet watching someone live their best life. <laughs> How are you not going to be depressed and envious of it? Because when you of check course. your phone, you're not like, you know, you're not midway having sex with a hot girl. You're not midway like on a roller it's coaster. It's comparison like, usually. Going through social media. Yeah. It's like when you're bored, when you're lounging, when you're at home, when you're cooking. It's like you look at people's highlight reels yeah. of their life and you start to – and it's when you're bored. And then you get upset because you're bored. Well, that's – I think also – I don't want to cut you off, but I think that's the reactive thing a lot of people I, – I'm guilty of it. I'm not you know numb to this. I think that's the muscle memory I was talking about earlier with the reaction. I've tried my best – to see something good on social media, someone that I have always felt competitive with is doing well, or someone that, you know, is that whatever it is. I've tried my best to have the reaction of, that's awesome. That has no effect on me. That's awesome. And have a positive reaction. Now, have I been like, that motherfucker fucking just wish they would have one weekend where they're not going out? Like, yeah. of course I've had those thoughts, mm -hmm. right? But I think if I try to have a positive reaction enough, that muscle memory thing will hopefully take over, and I'll always have that positive reaction, right? But it's easier said than done. The big thing is a lot of people don't really try to be bored. Like So like first, yeah. you know, financial services. I talk about sales industries, right? Like real estate, three-bedroom, two-bath. You can imagine it. Selling a Ferrari, you can imagine it. Solar panels, you can imagine it. But like Index Universal Life, it's like, what is that? This is numbers, this is nonsense. Excel sheets. Exactly. Yeah. So like that's why I do the most boring thing because I know the most boring thing will bring me the greatest result of delayed gratification, and I stick to doing boring things and so what you were saying is like like you, you want the beach body you want you love wrestling you love being fit and walking on the beach and having everybody look at you but you hate sprints and you hate working out it's like a lot of people i think the problem is in today's society they get they don't like being bored they hate being bored well that, that they focus on the wrong part they focus on the beach body they don't focus on the present mm -hmm. right it's, that's why i wear this right no tomorrow mm -hmm. it's i'm climbing a mountain if i only look at the peak it'll never get closer What's the most important part of the climb? The next step forward. Okay. That's it. Now, sometimes those steps are going to have to go down because hmm. I had an yeah, avalanche yeah. push me back, whatever it is. Sometimes it'll, sometimes it'll go forward. Whatever, but they're always forward, right? So this goes back to the, the, the corny. You've heard this probably when you were young. How do you eat an elephant? Have you ever heard that? No. So an elephant is an overwhelming obstacle. Get yeah. straight A's. Ask, you know, if there's kids listening, ask, you know, the hottest cheerleader out to prom, right. whatever, right? Win a state title, open a business, any obstacle. It's bite by bite. Yeah. So what does a bite represent? Well, a bite represents a controllable, right? And we've heard the phrase control the controllables, don't worry about what you can't control. But let's talk about it for a second. Let's go into that cliche. If you go a little bit like deeper in that cliche, it opens up a lot of things. In wrestling... What makes me the most nervous? Well, the other kid's record. That's scary. Uh, who's in their corner? It's a legendary coach. That's scary. Size of the crowd. That's scary. He beat me last time we wrestled. That's scary. That causes me stress. That causes me anxiety. I don't want to lose, right? Well, if I only focus on the controllables, all of a sudden, half the elephant is eaten. Well, okay, put my anklet on. Okay, check in at the table. Okay, eat right. That's controllable. Okay, make my bed in the morning. That's controllable. Okay, brush my fucking teeth. That's controllable. Okay, get to practice on time. That's controllable. All of a sudden, you're 50% of the way of being a state champ, of beating that kid, of getting straight A's, whatever it is, because you're only focusing on the thing in front of you. I had this coach one time tell me, he says, 
What happens when you think about the end of a match, winning and losing? Your mind is, by definition, seven minutes. A wrestling match is seven minutes long. Your mind is, by definition, seven minutes in the future. How could you, Sumi, be the best person in the moment, the best wrestler, the best version of a wrestler that you are in the moment, if your mind is at the end of the match, if your mind is seven minutes in the future, how could you be the best podcaster you are right now mm-hmm. if your mind is on your financial stuff that is not happening until next quarter? Mm-hmm. If you're stressing about that, mm-hmm. you couldn't be here right now. So I think that when it comes to boredom, people don't know how to be present. The reason people are bored is because they're not present. 100%. I'm not bored because I'm usually pre- – if you're bored, you're boring. You know what I mean? Like it, it, I am – I'm here right now. I'm not thinking about the trip in six months that I saved up all this money for and I can finally go to Florida and get a detachment from this nine-to-five lifestyle. No, I'm not thinking about that. You know why? Because I'm right here right now. I'm sitting here watching fucking Breaking Bad and I'm just here. I'm here. I, I like it, right? Whatever I'm doing, being present, I think, is the most important thing to to cripple boredom, in but my opinion. A, a Sorry, I keep going on running. No, sentences. no, you're good, you're good. A lot of people don't know how to deal with boredom in today's world. A lot of people are very stimulation-heavy and... The big thing I'll say is, like, even in, like, we look at, like, relationships, for example. When you're dating somebody, you're creating this future with them. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to be with her. We're going to have kids, blah, blah. And then when the relationship goes bad, it, it messes you up because now the future of what you guys created, ruined. The past memories of what you've had, murkied. Would you even love me back then? All these trips. The mo- Breaking Bad, watching Breaking Bad with her. Now it's like a trigger for the trauma. Yeah, and you said that about Lion King. Yep, and it's, it's funny. It's, it's a, yeah. Now you have to be forced to be in the present. My question to you is this. A lot of people, I think that a lot of, do you think a lot of fear comes from being bored or do you think, where do you think like the fear comes from? Because you do. I, I think the most fear comes from over emphasizing and overthinking outcomes, which in turn it, leads to an uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. Which is really extrapolating the future on if I jump, I might die. Right. I might get All that stuff. Yeah. A if lot I, of, if pe- I ask this girl out, she might reject me. Right. So, Even that. So when we're, small. when we're coaching people, right? Typically when I'm coaching people, I'm, trying to encourage them to make a step that they're not comfortable with doing. They, they, 99% of the time when I'm coaching someone, they know what to do. They know. Yeah, you know the answer. Yeah, and that's. You know the answer. And they just don't want to right. do it. It's like, this guy cheated on me, or this business is not doing well, and I really love this business, or I, I love this car so much, but financially I'm not there to afford it, and it's like, get rid of the car. And so now I have to translate it in a way that's digestible for them. Because yeah, you, you coach, have to package it. Right. Yeah. Because different people get coached at different levels. You know, some people can handle the hard coaching. Some people have to kind of be baby through the process. My question to you, big thing here is, you take massive, I, 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 people will categorize them as risks. Like the things that you do. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about this yet. Yeah. I yeah, I forgot. So one look, I mean, just a glimpse at your social media is like, this guy, is, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. Right. Everybody <laughs> says that. Right. That's yeah. the first thing that, uh, like I'm coming from the outsider's perspective. Why in the world would you jump off a plane it's a massive risk, but a lot of times in life, risk actually gets you, I mean, the reward. The reason I have so much success in business is because I take a lot of risks, right. dude. I, I say what I need to say. I don't, like, I, I push the envelope in everything that I do mm. because I need to, I need to do, I only have one life, dude. It's like, fucking hell yeah. And it's one of these <laughs> things that like, you know, people take that thing, YOLO, you only have one life, go out to the club, party, drink. It's the opposite for me. You only have one life, sit in, lock in, work, kill your 20s. Right. And then just be... You know, you're a worker, man. I mean, that's that's how you're you grind, you get after it 100%. But yeah. how do you take the risk? Okay, so for me, do you know what the arrival fallacy is? No, I, I'm dude, I'm learning a lot of stuff. So the arrival fallacy is one of my favorite things. Uh, a lot of people think if we attain an outcome that we really wanted, mm-hmm. we'll have everlasting happiness. For example, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be a millionaire. A lot of people 
make the million dollars, they win a state title, they win a national title, and you know what they're left with afterwards? They're not happy. Well, they say, I thought I'd feel different. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you're a piece of shit before you're a millionaire, unfortunately, you're still a piece of shit after you're a millionaire. So it's not the outcome that changes you. It's more the steps leading up to that outcome, right? So when it comes to jumping off things, here's what I like to think. Imagine there's a, a young girl, guy, doesn't matter, just graduated college, and let's say they had the, we'll use a girl as an example, let's say she has the biggest passion for yoga, right? Okay. Biggest passion. One day she wants to teach it, she wants to open her own studio, mm -hmm. make it like a soul cycle, but for yoga, right? Like I'm going to have so many people in here, different people teaching, different types of yoga, this, that, and the other. She wants to open yoga. But you know what? She just graduated college. She has a, a communications degree, mm -hmm. and someone offered her some job at some office for $75,000 a year. That's yeah. great out of college, right? Oh, yeah. my gosh, let's do it, right? All of a sudden, three years go by. What's she thinking? I want to do what? I want to open yoga. Mm -hmm. It's called the golden handcuffs, right? Like I'm stuck in this car payment now because I've been living this, this, this apartment job, rent. this apartment, whatever. I'm stuck. If I leave and, and open this yoga studio, I'm going to take a pay cut. So all these outcome-based thoughts are popping into our head. What if I can't make rent? If I quit this job, I hate this job. I can't listen to my boss for another day. I, I got away from something that made me so happy, made me feel so present. I want to get back to yoga. But, I want to, go ahead, sir. So I'm going to throw this in there, right, just to interrupt you. That's, but that is realistic, right? I'm the girl, no, that's what I'm, I'm talking, I'm yes, the girl with the yoga what, studio. That's 90% of what people think. Yeah. They're all talking about what if, what if, what if, what if, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, right, what's the most liberating moment in that? Not when the yoga studio does well. It's when she first says, I quit. Yep. It's not that when she says, I quit, that's the most vulnerable she'll be to not making rent. That's the most vulnerable she'll be to the yoga studio not doing well, to her business not opening. But it's the most liberating she'll feel, which means it's the most present she'll feel. So let's take that same concept and put it on top of a fucking building, mm -hmm. right? What if my parachute doesn't open? What if I can't make this landing area? What if I have a bad gust of wind? What if I have this? What if I, what if I, what if I, once I jump, guess what? There's no more what if. It's just there. I'm just present. And it's only a two-second delay to the, op to the opening, but those two seconds feel like an entire lifetime. It's the most present you'll ever feel. So a lot of people ask me why I do that. It's, it's not because we're escaping death. Oh, yeah, got it. It's like anything. There's progression. There's growth. There's I'm learning. I'm I'm becoming more of myself. I'm I'm trying to chase these these present moments more often the older I get in life because I learn a lot about who I am. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, using that that girl as an example, the consequences of her her taking that risk of saying I quit to her job that she hates. Okay, she can't make rent for a few months. They're not as bad as obviously a risk on a base jump, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. consequences of that. But the present feeling is all the more great as well. You know what I mean? But so it goes some up exponentially. People, here's, I'm just playing devil's advocate because I agree with you. But some people are like, if I don't make rent for a few months, it's it, okay, it just goes back into the process of overthinking. If I don't make rent, then I'm not going to have a place to live. Then I'm going to be like homeless and then being homeless sucks, like blah, blah, blah. It's like a lot of people don't step out of the toxic relationship. A lot of people don't jump out of the job mm -hmm. and open the yoga studio. They struggle with the idea of play risk. Safe. They want to play safe. Yeah. And comfort is a very, it's a very beautiful thing. I think that we all want to be comfortable in life, but it's also a very dangerous thing. And well, so, it's, it's like talking to a girl. Mm -hmm. 
tell you like it, what happens? Yeah, I mean, she, she don't like it anymore. Yeah, right? it's, it's because you. So because what happens if you chase comfort only? You don't. You don't win. You don't do well. You have to avoid comfort mm-hmm. to finally get comfort in the end. I that's, know it's a cheesy ass. No, fucking, that's the, the you best. Know what I mean, if you're uncomfortable, the the more uncomfortable you are, the more comfortable. So it's like it's like this with like business, for example, right? I say this thing all the time. Yes, I work a lot. Yes, I do. But I can work from home. My dog is around me. I'm in this beautiful place. This pen. I have a like it's a small things. Like I have a. You know, I used to say this when I, when I first started making money. It's like I can get the doubled guac and chicken from Chipotle anytime I want. I don't have to worry about it. It's such a huge flex to me because that, like, I don't even have to think about it. I can fill my gas tank up. I am uncomfortable in certain aspects of working, but I'm in a comfortable environment to work, if that makes sense. No, no, no. It, it's synonymous with each other, 100%. I think when people aren't used to a lot of discomfort, uh, paralysis happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm uncomfortable. I stay where I am. We hear this is horrible example it's a good example but it's a dark moment in our history i heard stories about people in the world trade center Mm -hmm. the first building went down yes you're talking about people jumping no no, not people jumping those two that's that's a whole separate you know great philosophical type of of conversation we can have but there's people in the second tower i I forget which tower went down first i think it was the second tower went down first but Mm -hmm. the first tower still up one tower went down they know that their tower is going to go down they know that they're going to die they're so scared to die that what do they do? They sit at their desk. They freeze. They're so scared that something's going to happen that they freeze and it happens. It's so interesting how our human brains do that. A deer is so scared to get hit by the car, it gets hit by the We almost cause these things we're terrified of. When you avoid discomfort, when you avoid quitting the job, you cause the thing you fear the most. You just do. If you avoid discomfort enough, you're, you're, you're by definition causing the thing that you fear the most. If I am so scared that my girlfriend is going to leave me, if I'm so scared, oh my God, I, should, I shouldn't do this. I, I shouldn't be, I should pocket these things that I'm like being annoying and nagging about and I, I'm being, you know, extra. I should, I should not do this, but all of a sudden, I can't help it. Discomfort, I, 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 she ends up doing what? Leaving, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, if, 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 you, if you sit in discomfort long enough, usually you have a little bit more grasp on what the outcome might be. Now, that, that goes against what I'm saying earlier. I don't like focusing on the outcome. Uh, I, I do like having my goals, though. If a goal is a to-do, oh, checklist, win states, check, you know, open business, check. It almost is like unfulfilling. If a goal is more of a to-be, I feel like the to-dos kind of like are a byproduct. They do themselves. So if like your goal is to open a business, it's like, okay, I did that, check. But if your goal is to be, hey, I want to create something that is going to be very constructive for a lot of people struggling financially. Mm-hmm. All that, that's, that's a to-be thing. Mm-hmm. What's a byproduct of that? Well, a business opens because of that, yes. right? Like, yes. So it's like, it's like, it's like chasing and, and, and focusing on the right things in the midst of discomfort. So this girl who's trying to quit her job to open the yoga studio, me trying to jump off this, someone trying to leave a toxic relationship, it's just focusing on the right things. Well, you know well, what I mean? Let's put it like this. Let's say Megan. We're using Megan. We're using your, your word. Stacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. That's not it. Yeah. Once again, not my go-to. So Megan wants to open up a yoga studio. Okay. And what's the first thing that you're going to kind of tell her? Like, I'm, I'm scared. I don't want to quit. Blah, blah, blah. The first thing as a coach, you know what I'd say? Yeah, yeah. First you, thing. You might not do well. First thing I'd say, hey, you might not do well. Let's address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. Because when we say the things out loud that give us the most stress in their head, and all of a sudden they're out loud, guess what? They have less power over us. Mm. Hey, I, I'm nervous to wrestle this guy. I might 
not do well. It's not putting it in the universe like, oh, it's going to come back and do it. That's not what I mean either. Like there's different, you know, sides of that coin. But let's just address it. Hey, Megan, guess what? This is not the last time you're going to have a bad day. This is not the last time you're going to have a good day. You're going to have more bad days. You're going to have more good days. What do you want to do? Do you want to do yoga? Okay, then let's try. Let's at least try. Mm-hmm. And it might not do well, but you tried. Good. Let's try. Effort is the only thing we can control. Let's put effort in it. That's what I would talk to her about, probably. See, when I, when I, so like, let's say we have Megan here. I would throw a cup. The way, see, because I'm trying to see if it's just one thing. I'm trying to dissect your brain right now. Let's talk. I, I'm trying to see what actually gets people to jump and do this and take the lead. Because, for example, if Megan came to me, I'd say, number one, I'd extrapolate the future in her working at this job. Great. You're working at XYZ Bank, making 75 grand. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to be in five years? Right. Now, XYZ I, I'm bank. not going to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, right? Well, I'll say if you continue this path, you're here for another year. You're right. here for another year. You're That's wasting. what happens. You're the youngest you are in this very moment. You're wasting your life and your energy, the blood flowing in your veins to stay at XYZ Bank when you don't want to be at XYZ Bank. Working for a guy you hate. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> and there's people that might love working here, but it's not you. It's not you. So I create the future, number one, with her being in a negative position from that job. Number two, how can we decrease the risk in any way possible, Right. For you, it's like we have a helmet. We have a parachute. Like this this stuff works, right? I call it stack the odds in your favor. Yes. That's how I say it. That's what we so also yes, say in financial say services too. We, stack we, the odds in your favor. So I'll say, listen, how much money do you have in savings? Can you go a few months without spending money at the bars and stuff like that to create a so You give a more analytical route to it 100%. That's, that's, that's something I need to do better at. But, but also what I can do better at is this is the, f- the, the reason that people don't do things is not because it's logically the best. Mm-hmm. They do things because they're emotional. Oh so, yeah, 100%. so so we're all experiences. We're all a, a category. People stay on people stay on sixteen all the time. Not a lot. Do you play blackjack? No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Well, that's. Oh no 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 no. Yeah yeah, yeah yeah no no. Now people I get stay on say, don't stay on sixteen. Don't. Yeah. Are you a fighter? Then fucking fight. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I get that reference now. With with Megan, I have to once I create the the negative future of her being in this place, it's actually an emotional thing. That's not necessarily logical because logically she's making money here, but it's I say, safe, listen, yeah. you're going to be at a desk here. sitting next to Phil. You hate Phil and his wife hates you too for some reason because she thinks that you're hooking up with him, but you would never hook up <laughs> with him. And I create that whole thing and then I talk about how that, and then I talk about the benefits of the yoga studio. Imagine you walk in and you're, it's not the craziest yoga studio, but you got five clients there. They come there every day because they're devoted to you. Yeah, you how would f- that make you, you feel? feel? fulfilled. That's doing the, something. So I grab the emotion in the negative mm-hmm. and I grab the emotion in the positive and I try to walk her through that process with a lot of things thrown at her. Number one, calculate a risk. It makes sense for you. I go through it. It's not necessarily the most safe. It's not the most risky. You put everything together and then you have to get her to push and jump. This is where people stop. At the jump? Yep. Yeah. Well, people think, I think what you're getting at, where you're trying to get me to get to. That's where I bring is, you in. Like, go, right. Well, get pe- her. people <laughs> think that. That, that part, yes, but people think that the jumping and the, my kind of risk is reckless. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would just tell Megan, like, dude, just fucking quit. Don't even think about it. Just don't. No tomorrow. Just go, right? That's not what I would say either. Here's the best metaphor for a base jumper. If me and you are base jumpers, mm-hmm. base jump mentality, right? Right. And we rob a bank, and we get in the car, and we're driving down the street, and we're high-speed chase, and I turned and looked at you and said, put a fucking seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. You're like, dude, we just robbed a bank. Yeah, like, why right. do you That's how base jumpers think. It's not just like, hey, dude, like, let's just do wheelies and stand on bikes and just. It's not reckless like that. Is the action itself dangerous? Yes. Does it have inherent risk? Absolutely. Probably the worst type of extreme sport there is. But every single person that I know in the base jump community is so meticulous, is so 
careful with what they do. If they don't like something, I'll walk down. Hey, I don't need to jump today. The building's not going anywhere. The cliff's not going anywhere. I'll walk, I walk down stuff all the time. We try to stack the odds in our favor as much as we can. There's a part of me uh, that I struggle with that does feel selfish doing it because I don't look at death the same way as a lot of people do, but other people do. That's the thing. How do you look at death? Because I, I I look at death very. Go ahead. I like want to hear you. Like the fucking Spartans, bro. I'm going into like a great. You know, it happens to everybody. Dude, if I die, I die. Yeah, that's, it that's happens to everybody. But it doesn't mean like I'm trying to 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 do it uh, recklessly, right? So I look at it more sad, more sad. I don't know if that's the right vocabulary, but I look at it to be sadder if you live a life that you extremely dislike. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily jumping off, not jumping off things, avoiding it, but like. You're not yourself. If you're constantly not yourself, you don't have that human spirit. People talk about health all the time. Yep. Hey, I got to eat well. I got to work out. I got to work on my mental stuff. You have to feed your human spirit too. Book a last second trip to Florida. I promise it's okay. You might not make rent next month. It's not that reckless. You can do it. You could just say, hey, I'm going to fucking Miami for two days. It'll be okay, right? Like it's, it's okay to feed your human. And I'm not saying like – if there's a spectrum, go ahead. What you're saying is good because you're talking about feeding the functional mentality. This is I, – I agree here 100% because, number one, I'm able to function very well because I have a positive mental state. Mm-hmm. There are guys that are taller than me, stronger than me, probably even more – You could choke them out though. Yeah, a little bit. Get, get my hand in there. Right. I love working with tall guys because they got a longer Long neck. neck. You can slide in. Totally off topic. But the big thing is if you're able to get in a positive mental state, if, if Megan is in a positive mental state, she's able to do more. Same thing. She gets more done. She's more productive. Yeah, the thing you said at the beginning. And then yeah. it just it just kind of creates the feedback loop for her. But the big problem is Megan it just like doesn't want to ju- Here's one thing I want to ask too. When you count, you count backwards, right? I said 3 2 1, yeah. But so you want to know something weird? Go for it. My mom died on 3 2 1, March 21st. And I always say all base shippers say 3 2 1 C. It's a very common phrase, but it's interesting that I kind of say her on every jump as well. It's cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's side note. Go ahead. That's crazy. That, no, that's, that's deep. Yeah. But why do you count backwards? Like that, that's why you do it right there. That's just a countdown. It's just like something that we were trained to do. Not trained. It's a weird thing to say, but you know, taught to do. Do you know anybody that counts forwards? Like, like, yeah, people do. I, I've done it. Okay. Hey, one, two, three, go. I've done that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it has any impact at all? Like, like three, two, one going down or up, like positive, negative. Do you need that mentality? Like that countdown to, to, to do it. I count down in the shower. I say three, two, one, see ya for everything in my life. I'm not joking. Really? I hate getting out of the shower because I know I'm about to be hit by cold. It's so comfortable. It's so warm. The second I say three, two, one, see ya, I turn it off. I don't hesitate. It's not like, okay, one more minute. Okay, 30 more seconds, 30 more seconds. I don't do that. It's three, two, one, see ya. Boom, turn it off, go. Anytime I need to act, I say three, two, one, see ya. So anytime. If, if, if you have, so recommendation for somebody, create a, like a mantra almost, like a little saying to, because I, I, dude, I do the same thing. I don't know if you read the book, um, Mel Robbins, like five second rule. Mm-hmm. It's very like the, the, I don't want to boil the book down in a second, but she's like, if you were trying to do something, count down five, four, three, two, one, go. Oh, she has something like that in there? Yes. Oh, it's, cool. It's like there's a lot of science to it. Like an That's in, cool. Insane amount of science to it. And it's just like five, four, three, two, one, go. Very cool. It's called the five second rule. And, uh, dude, that, I don't want to say it's, it's cool when, I mean, this is like the ego part of me kind of feeding a little bit, but it's cool when everybody has had this feeling. We do things naturally that people have dissected and talked about like on a psychological level. Right. I like that. Like something you do really well is Ford. You know, Ford is, mm-hmm. it's an acronym. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're talking to somebody, 
family, occupation, recreation, dreams. Mm. You forward everybody. But nobody ever taught you how to talk to somebody. Nobody's like, hey, man, when you're sitting in the car and you don't really know what to talk about with some stranger, an Uber driver, Ford, F-O-R-D. You probably do it naturally. Mm -hmm. You're probably like, hey, man, where are you from? Oh, no way. You're from Asia? I was born in India. That's pretty cool. What part of Asia? Mm -hmm. And you like naturally Ford. Mm -hmm. Some people don't know how to do that. So I always think it's cool when people can say something that we naturally do, you know, like without having the yeah, science side of it. Because it verifies right. your process. Like, oh, shit, my shit's dope. <laughs> I, I patented this. Yeah. No, but I think a lot of people can benefit from that kind of mentality. Just like, just just do it, right? Nike's like tagline, just everything. It, yeah. If you just commit to a process, you'd be surprised at how successful. Like, this is the thing. When guys are trying to ask out girls, they're like, how do I go up to a pretty girl? Number one. Do it. It's like, act. You know what I tell them to do? <laughs> Start taking cold showers. Like, I don't know if you've ever taken like Wait, an ice, ice cold shower. What's the, uh, what's the correlation? Because look, you're one, two, three, you're getting in something that is very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's very stressful. Oh, that's it's, so it's good. not fun. I love that. The first 30 to 40 seconds are typically miserable, but afterwards you feel like amazing. I, Wait, that's awesome. I really like that as just for any, not even just with asking out girls, just anything. Really anything. And guys, like I want to go pick up more. To, okay. So if you've ever, if we are you, went, seeing, are you dating anybody? No, I'm not. You have a girlfriend? Right. No, but if I'm full single mode, like years ago, I used to be out in the You're a motherfucking hitch. That's who you are. <laughs> I'd be going out. But but this is the thing. People don't understand that I strike out eight times, nine times. Like, you know, I'll talk to eight, seven girls and I'll walk up. Some of them, you can't control what they're thinking about. They might be like having a bad day. Their boyfriend just broke up with them. They just paid for a 30 buck mm-hmm. Uber and they're salty about it. Like whatever it is. Or Bethany didn't tag her in a new photo and she's pissed off at her. You were walking into a range of emotions there. This is just an example. It could be anything. It could be you asking for a raise from your boss. Anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be you going into a base jump. You have to create a mindset of resilience into doing uncomfortable things. Yeah. And the thing that you're talking about, how you used to jump off the sidewalk and stuff, people need to practice those things. I put it in pragmatism with cold showers because it's good for exposing. You have good vocabulary. Thank you. Appreciate it. So I, I get them to engage in uncomfortable things. Like cold showers are really good for your cuticles, your hair, your... Your your body it exposes yeah, your body. I know the health layers. benefits of it, but I was thinking of the the uh, metaphor for for. But that's how you ra- if yeah. you're telling a 21 year old girl, "Hey, take cold showers." Why would I do that? It's good for your hair. Yeah, it helps you burn fat. Oh, it burns fat. I can get skinnier. Okay, yeah, for sure. But yeah, but there's teachings in there that they don't realize. So currently, yeah. she's doing something every single day that is that mis- she doesn't want to do exactly. Yeah. And that's the first and thing. And she's choosing to do it. That's good. I, I, I do like to think, like, when I talk to kids, too. I do about 80 clinics a year. Mm-hmm. So I see about, like, a little under 10,000 kids. And I do it all over the country, That's right? awesome, man. And I, whenever I do these, something I talk about is, like, people want to win more than they want to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is a problem. You have to want to compete first. I'll give you an example. A lot of people get excited. They get excited if someone had a bad weight cut. Why? Well, my path to winning will be easier now, mm-hmm. right? So you want to win so bad, you want to wrestle his 80%? Yes. Why? Why? Uh, will, you, will you actually be better? The point of a competition is to see who's better, mm-hmm. right? So in a way, you almost have to care about your endeavor, wrestling in my case. You have to care about wrestling so much that you have to want the best person to win, even if it's not you. And what I mean by that doesn't mean you want to lose. What I mean by that is if there was a Magic 8-Ball and it said, okay, if they're at 80% of their best, you'll win. If they get a good night's sleep and they're 100% of their best, you'll lose. I should hope for the 100%, no matter what. And it goes back to 
the discomfort thing because if I want to score points, what do I have to be perfectly okay with half happening? Getting scored on. Mm-hmm. If I want to hit a home run, I have to be perfectly okay with swinging and missing. You, on one hand, if you want to ask a girl out at the bar, you have to be perfectly okay with getting rejected. With getting rejected. If someone wants to open a yoga studio, they have to be perfectly okay with but the yoga studio might not do well. Yeah. And that's okay, right? And the second they come to terms with accepting the alternative, I almost feel like it becomes a little bit easier to like go, hey, I want to. I don't want to get in the shower. I have to be perfectly okay with it being cold. It's just gonna be fucking cold. Fuck it. Three, two, one, go. Right? Like it's like a little bit of that. Like it helps me a little bit at least. I don't want to talk for everybody. Do you it helps a, me. Do you have a good support system for, uh, for your stuff? Like when, when if you're going to a base shop tomorrow? No. Okay. No. That's very interesting not. because the reason I focus a lot on relationships. I and- pause that. I'm sorry. You know this mm-hmm. because you're a content creator, so you understand this. And most content creators that are listening will understand this. The people around you are not a good support system when you're making content. Because base jumping to me is a lot of storytelling <laughs> content. The closest people to you roll their eyes. Strangers say, hey, man, you're changing my life. And it fucking pisses me off. Dude, it's this cool. guy over here is very supportive, right? He's oh, close to man. me. But I'm talking about like close, close, Dude. close friends that I like see like on a daily Thousand basis. Percent. They're the ones that will buy a fucking stranger's merch yep. and roll their and eyes at you. you making merch. It's like, I, listen, is. I'm gonna kind of go off and I'm pissed now, right? So it, you're preaching. Right. You're preaching to the choir. But I know you. I know. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like. Listen, if you're somebody out there who has a friend who is starting to rap, starting to make music, starting to do podcasts, starting to do training videos, you know, weightlifting, this, that, and the other on social media, and you look at them and you go, you have a thousand followers, and you roll your eyes, fuck you. Honestly, fuck you. You're a loser because you have no idea what a small little like or a comment could do to push them to a for you page to get them a little bit of money that all of a sudden they can start doing this more often and eventually get them to a full-time thing. It is so frustrating that people are like, oh, you care about likes? Yes, 100%. It gets me monetized. Why wouldn't I? The same way there are people who are in the early 2000s would be – Hey, great quarter at your TV station. Your views were this, 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 and this. People would say, good job. But if you talk about your views at your podcast or your social media clips or your Instagram, people are like, oh, here you go again. Likes his Instagram too much. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. 100%. Just because the, the entertainment went from a big business to an individual doesn't mean it's any less effort, right? Like, it's so frustrating to me how people get, I don't know how I got on this topic, but it's so frustrating to me how people get upset or annoyed that people are trying. Well, it's, it's so weird. It's because the major reason is this. Losers. There's somebody that went to your high school that grew up with you that is not doing what you're doing. Yeah, they're matching me in my past. And exact they're upset because you're doing something that's pushing the envelope of what they should be. It's it's a call basically saying, "Listen, he's over here jumping off places, going here, doing this, getting on podcasts, and you're not." And I'm trying to tell things that come off corny sometimes. Like, hey, I'm going to tell a story about me in Hawaii. mm -hmm. So the fuck what? But it's a slap in the face to them because they didn't do it. And it's an automatic reflection of their inability to do something. Yeah, I always, you know. And it's easier for you. And it's easier for for somebody to hate because then it's this, oh, dude, he just wants to do that stuff. Like, I don't even care about base jumping. That's so stupid. Like, it's easier for someone to say that instead of say, wow. He's living his life and his passions and doing what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, whether he cares what other people are not. This dude's fucking awesome. But I'm sitting over here working at this place well, that I hate. It's very hard. It's telling. Because you're in a yeah. society that's built on ego nowadays. 
you know? I, so, I, I 100% agree with you. And I know you can relate on that, that topic a little bit. It's, it's very frustrating. Isn't it weird? Like, you know, I bet you when you first started your podcast, people eye-rolled. Dude, now, just, now that you have a million followers on TikTok, yeah. people are like, yo, you know my boy? My boy Sumi actually has a podcast. Yes. Like, motherfucker, you didn't listen to one through 50 episodes, but all of a sudden I popped, now you're listening. 100%. It's like, it's such a slap in the face. But there's some mom in Arizona. That gets something that, out of that it. That supports the hell out of me. Isn't it crazy? It's I get crazy. the greatest messages like, hey man, I will never jump off anything, but I just want you to know, they'll say things, the coolest things. They'll be like, I just want you to know, I literally, I, my dream was to go to Zion National Park with my wife, and because I always see you just doing things, I booked it last second, we're going next month. It surprises month. you. And I'm like, bro, bro, I went to a wedding two days ago on Saturday in Columbus. And the, uh, the bride's dad mm-hmm. said to me, I show my partner everything. That's what, that, that's what he said. I show my partner every single one of your videos. I said, oh, right. and I had no idea he even had an Instagram or maybe a TikTok. I have no, I'm, I'm assuming it's Instagram. I'm like, what? He goes, he goes, because I love the way you live life. It's so beautiful. I've, I haven't talked to this guy in six years. And I was like, holy shit. Like that meant so much more than like, but it, it, isn't it, and I know I keep jumping around. Isn't it weird how like sometimes, at least when we're starting out, we hesitate to post something when there's 10 strangers that like it and one kind of close friend that like rolls their eyes. We'll be like, oh, what are they going to think? Because we care more about their it's opinion. It's so fucking annoying. It is. Fuck it. Because they, and also another thing. <laughs> you know, just got to say 3, 2, 1, C and just do it. Another thing is they know you. There's people in high school that message me on Facebook and stuff now like, hey, like crazy to see what you're doing now. Crazy. Do you do well on Facebook? I do. I don't even know. Facebook's one of my favorite platforms to post on uh, Reels. We get a lot of views. Yeah, Reels. Ads on Reels are really I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. So, like, on Instagram, it'll be one thing, but Facebook, it'll be, like, blowing up. Yeah, it's wild. Instagram does, I mean, sorry, Facebook does uh, really well. Facebook and TikTok are a lot better than Instagram right now. Facebook has a huge user base. But people will message me on Facebook, and, you know, some of them hate in a weird way. And they're like, because they know me as that kid in high school that wasn't running businesses, that wasn't doing this. Oh, wait, tell me. What do they say? They, They just, you know, I dude, this girl messaged me. And she's like, <laughs> she was like, wow, you really glowed up. You look really, really, good. yeah. And I was actually, like, I, the word actually, wow, you actually aren't like, yeah, you know, as, yeah. as, and I'm like, what do you mean actually? <laughs> it, it, it's funny. I'm like, didn't thought I was ugly back then. Like, right. I don't know if it's I such should, a back. Is that a compliment, compliment or? Yeah. A, but but it's it's crazy because she has compartmentalized her version of me to be this person. And I, I I think about it from my end, like, what do I think about this girl? I think about her in high school, but because here's the biggest thing. I've changed so much in my life that I'm fundamentally like if I meet somebody, they're a bad person one day, six months later, they say they've changed. I'll how fundamentally many, believe it. How many different chapters, fortunately, have you had? You had your Baltimore chapter. You've yes. had your Cleveland chapter. You've yeah. had your opening this business chapter. You've had your podcasting chapter. A lot of people that we know have been on the same page and the chapter. same chapter for, for quite a long time. Like, you know, I fortunately lived in L.A., Boston. Uh, when I was at Ohio State, I was obviously in Ohio State. when I was comp- I, So I competed after college. Uh, I try to make Team USA, so I was at certain international tournaments. I would represent Team USA, uh, wrestling, you know, a bunch of U.S. Opens, Olympic trials qualifiers. So I had like that wrestling chapter of my life, and now, you know, it's trying to travel as many places as I can. Chapter of my so it's like different chapters of our lives where you know the second I feel like I'm plateauing, I could change things up. And now, if somebody were to be like, "Hey, you have to move to to, to Guam for a year," it wouldn't be that hard for me. Because I've done it a million times. Whereas a lot of people who've lived in the same place, lived in the same community, only have friends with the same friends. I there, There's sides of that that is really positive. But there's also sides that it's like it becomes 
there's a lot of judgment that comes with that too. When, when you go and do your things, are you solo? Like you're, you're by yourself? No, no, no. So I said like, you know, I've been to 30, 40 countries like alone. I've probably been to like 40 countries in my life, yeah. right? On TikTok, I might say 50 because it sounds better, but I've probably been to like 40. 60. 60, 70. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> something like that. Uh, I actually just went to my 50th state last week, which is cool. That's so crazy. I got to all 50. Alaska was my last one. Uh, but when I do these trips, uh, a lot of them, are alone, not because I like, oh, I want like alone time. I don't mind alone time. It's cool. It's because a lot of people that I know can't just up and go. Are you in a relationship right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I live with my girlfriend. Okay. That's amazing. And, and she support, like, she's the greatest human dude, being. Ever. It's hard to find. People ask me all the time, why am I not in a relationship and I coach on relationships? Because nobody understands my life. No, it's, it's, the, it's, it's, you, it's, You're I, I know exactly me. I dated people. I had like a four year relationship, all this different stuff. I used to have to, the same way people would like lie about like, like a grown man would lie about like going to a strip club. Mm-hmm. I'd lie about like booking a flight. Yeah. Like I'd be like, oh yeah, um, what are you doing next week? Uh, I don't know. Nothing. Hang with you. Because <laughs> it was like so much friction yeah. to like live the way I want to live. It wasn't accepted. Can't you just sit the fuck down for a fucking week? Can't you just be normal? Yeah. Can't you just be normal? No. Like people don't do that. But now I like have those bad uh, reactions where Carly's my girlfriend now. I'll be like, hey, my friends are going to Alaska. And in my head, I'm thinking like, gosh, can't you? And she's like, go. That's sick. You should. Stay two weeks. And I'm like, And it's Wait, awesome what? that you found someone like that. Yeah, it's, she's the best ever. Because <laughs> support system is huge. So you, so who comes to you with these trips? Because I'm trying to break down the process to me. You want to jump off so this airplane. I fortunately – oh, sorry. I had to crack my chest. That was weird. I fortunately uh, am very – when it comes to like my expertise – I'm not very smart at certain areas. When it comes to geography and traveling, I'm really smart, right? Mm-hmm. I there's I could there's I think 54 countries in Africa. I could place them each in perfect order, right? Like just <laughs> shit like that, right? Weird shit. Now it's because I've looked up stuff so like okay in Zimbabwe, this is what I want to do. When I'm in Mozambique, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Right? So I know like every natural fun thing, not like restaurant or hotel. I know or, you're talking like, about, but like crazy excursions. This waterfall. Yeah. This, this is where you go to see hammerheads. This is where you go to see this. I know every single thing like that, right? So I'll have this idea that it'll get stuck in my head. I'm like, fuck, there's this huge hammerhead migration going through Japan every spring. I really want to see hammerheads. I've never dove with them before. I really want to die with hammerheads. I'll get like really excited. It's crazy. And then I'll just fucking like, all right, I'm going. Yeah. And once I say I'm going, I'm like, okay, I'm going. I'm going no matter what. I'm going to throw a few, you know, Options out to some people. Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Because I'm already going. If they say yes, great, they come. If they say no, well, I'm already going no matter what. So it's like that's usually how it happens. When it comes to uh, more like not traveling but the jumping, that's different. It's almost like gambling. Almost. like It's like you gamble with life in a sense. Not in a bad way, but like there's a saying out there. It's like don't gamble in the casino. Take risk in life, like gamble with life. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. You're just throwing it yeah, in. Yeah, not like life risk, but yes, I'm just like seeing what happens for yeah, sure. Yeah. But when it comes to like these things, like a lot of things I post, there's a lot of things that are extreme stunts mm-hmm. that I do have to have a lot of, you know, groundwork for. So, and fortunately, it's the network that we know. It's social media. Does, you know, about people that he's a paraglider, he's a paramotor, he snorkels with a bunch of sharks, and I can use those you things. You can to string connect. them together. Like Alaska last week, uh, I had a guy who's a wildlife photographer, and he does a lot of grizzly bear encounters. Mm-hmm. So he hits me up. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to go camp in the backcountry of Alaska. I have to set up for this 
uh, tour group that's coming in that I'm going to show to a bunch of you know grizzly bears. Uh, do you want to come help me set up? So like just through that, I'm able to go be this close to a grizzly bear watching her with her cubs, you know, fish on salmon. And it's awesome, right? Do you have a crew that comes with you that's always with you? A consistent crew? No, I have... I have different pockets of people that I would pick from. Definitely. Carly's my my consistent crew. She would come with me everywhere. She's climbed stairway to heaven with me. I brought I brought so Carly is my girlfriend. She's never been diving before. Uh in, in with wildlife. You broke it. Well, no, but not only that, I take her shark diving one time in Florida. And you know, seeing like animals like that in the wild that you're supposed to fear. There's movies about them and then seeing them in the wild like it's such a present moment in your euphoric fear. It, it's 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 such a romanticized experience. Does right? that make it easier for you, though? Because I feel like when a, she does it, yeah, it's great. I, I love that. What was her reaction when you first did it with her? Like oh, she she like couldn't speak, and she loved it. But me and her react differently. Like I brought her to uh, the one hundred and one in, in in Washington, and it's a very pretty. It's the Highway One, but Washington's version is right on the coast, Forks, where fucking Twilight was filmed. Beautiful area, and I remember like her walking on the the beach, and when I see something like beautiful or something dope. I'm very enthusiastic about it. I'm like, holy shit. Like, you can tell, right? Mm -hmm. She's almost the opposite. She's like, quiet. So I have to like, is something wrong? And you know what I mean? It's like weird how that happens. Is something, is something going on? And it's like, no, this is how I express this is amazing. I'm peace. taking it in, right? Yeah. yeah, peace. So side note, back to, back to the, uh, the, the diving. She's never dove before. She sees sharks for the first time. Her second dive ever, I take her to uh, La Ventana in Mexico. And uh, her second time ever in the water with wildlife, not like, you know, you're in the Bahamas type, like, hey, there's some nurse sharks. That's what I'm talking about. Her first time with real wildlife, she sees an orca in the wild. Joe, what? Like this close. <laughs> That's crazy. And there's people that, on that trip that have been on thousands of dives that dedicated their life. I've never seen an orca. I've never seen an orca. Killer will. Fucking crazy, right? Killer will. Yeah. yeah, so like that kind of stuff, those kind of experiences. I'm fortunate because I've I know a lot of people in the adventurous community that we've connected on some stuff through content creation, through all these different things, and just through being good people that uh that 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 I'm able to do a lot of a lot of fun things. Base jumping is my main, right? I like to parachute off of high things. It's fun. You may have seen some stuff in downtown Cleveland. I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. seen those videos. Mm -hmm. Did you see the one video I'm talking about? Which one? Wait, I've seen a lot. I don't know where they are though. There's one in downtown Cleveland that I'm from Cleveland posts quite a bit. What, when did you jump? What did you jump? It off? wasn't me. It was my buddy. But <laughs> people listening, if they're from Cleveland, they'll know which one I'm talking about. This one dude hits a building. Uh, <laughs> he hits a building? Yeah. Oh, now I got to see this video. I'll show you after this. But yeah. there's a lot of stuff. That's my favorite things, you know, on I, the stunt I've seen side. You, you're like, there's one post that you did. You're like on a plane. And, oh, that was wing walking. And you just like, don't. I could like, I'm, I'm like, look, I'm like reading your face. I'm like, what does this guy's eyes say? Like, you're that was like, cool. Yeah. And you just. Dude, it, so we that, that's like that's in Washington as well. P, the PNW is like one of my favorite places in the country. Oregon and Washington are so beautiful. Uh, you know, a lot of people. I think there's eight types of travelers. I'm more the adventurous. A lot type. of people don't like. I don't want to say they don't like Oregon, but like, well, what, they, be, they become political. Yes, I don't care about that. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the scenery. It's beautiful. Well, Oregon. A lot of people don't experience states the way that you experience right. them. First and foremost, right? right? They well, go. They don't know how to travel. There's technique to travel. Well, they they go to bars. They go to like, now you're talking about language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've never drank before. I've never had a sip of alcohol my entire life. That's I've never crazy. Smoked. I I'm very happy with myself. And right. you know what? I, it's bad that I say it's crazy. It's it's very bad because no no I, that's the reaction I usually it's get. It's so normalized in today's society. Alcohol is probably the number one drug out there. But let me say this though: it is crazy because 
people think like, oh, you think you're better than us? No, I don't no, think I'm don't. better. No, I think I'm don't. worse than you. However, I am such a, I illegally jump off buildings. Of course, I'm all about free will. Live your life how you want, right? Like don't judge this, that, and the other. So if you drink, I don't care. I want, like my girlfriend drinks, right? Like do your thing. It's free will. It's your life. I want, you have total free agency to operate and act how you want. Like you say, you have one life. Live it, live it how you want to. If that happens to be through through enjoying a few beers with your buddies at the bar and watching a football game, go do that. That's great. However, there's eight types of travelers, right? And I, I hope I remember all eight off the top of my head. I've wrote them down before. Number one is the partier. You'll only go to countries just to party, right? This is the person who goes to Miami and Vegas mostly. Is it fun? Sure, I'm sure it's fun, right? But that's not me. Number two, more adventurous person. Are you necessarily jumping off of buildings? No, but you're probably hiking, more mountainous. Maybe you're scuba diving, snorkeling. It's a little bit more rough type of traveling. I'm sleeping in cars. I'm going to get places. And that's more me. It's fun. I'm car camping. I'm, you know, it's rugged, right? Glorified dirtbag, right? Yeah. That's number two. Number three, you're more the resort traveler. I'm going somewhere where everything's Americanized. People speak English. I don't love that as much. It's typically the Cancun cruise you know cruise how many people type go to person. Cancun I'm like right. why right it's a cruise type person right you're on a cruise uh number 4 uh you are going to be more of a cultural person i'm going to appreciate the music i'm going to try different foods i like that that's fun number 5 you're going to be uh traditional this is the people every labor day we go to chautauqua we go to the lake we go to this that's great same five families i like that too that's fun uh there's a lot of uh, fun my, my one friend always goes to Hilton Head every August. Actually, you know, do you know Ty Mitch? Yeah. Yeah, so he, his family, and I love that. It's hard for me because I want to go to so many different places. So on my end, I like to think my version for me is better. But then there's times I'm envious where I'm like, damn, you have like, hey, every August we go to this restaurant. We do this. We see these people. That's fun, right? Like that, I love that type of traveling as well, all right? I don't know if I'm at five or six, but then six. Uh, the, the few others, right? And I'll just kind of, off the top of my head, there's, uh, I call this the historian, right? You're going to go to the Coliseum. You're going to go to the pyramids, right? That's great. The Louvre. Mm -hmm. I do that for like a day. I can't do that for like a whole trip. It's Dude, really yeah, hard for me. I, I get but, but I'll do it for a day or two. I it's, like that. It's good for a day. It's cool. Yeah, like the Coliseum is great. I yeah. snuck, I'm banned from the Coliseum. But <laughs> different story. I Get him. <laughs> yeah, I climbed to the top and then they, they, which is mad disrespectful. I was young and they kicked me out. I'm banned from the Blue Lagoon in Iceland too. I'm like blacklisted. I can never go back there. Uh, <laughs> And the last type of traveler is uh, the monument traveler. So, like, you're always going to go to – it's called the Statue of Liberties. I'm going to go to the Eiffel Tower. The, I'm going to take pictures at the Big Ben, at, at, at uh, the Taj Mahal. The Burj all this Khalifa. Yes, yes, all yeah. this different stuff. I want to jump the Burj. But uh, all this different stuff, right? It's funny. So, we just emailed – side note. You just emailed them? Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, side note. Yeah. So, I think the prince has to give you permission. But uh, the cool thing about, like, those eight is if you can find a place that has all eight, which – in my opinion, Italy has all eight. Mm -hmm. You have beaches, you have mountains, you have history, you have culture, you have different, like, it has all eight. That's, like, a really unique place. So, like, to me, figuring out what category you're in and, like, you can kind of, like, bleed into different ones once in a while. Like, I'm, like, very adventurous, but I like culture and I like, uh, I like uh, uh, traditional could, could be fun too. Mm -hmm. right? I'm not tr really a partier. I'm not the resort traveler. I don't like to be lazy and just sit at the beach and go to the spa, right? Like, I'm not those. So when you find those different types of things, I feel like you learn a lot about yourself as a person, especially with What I hate, which I think you'll like, is I wish people were how they were in real life, how they are on a trip. For example, if something goes wrong on a trip, 
What do people say? They miss a flight. Something happens. Ah, shit. All right, we'll get the next one. If something goes wrong in real life at, at their job, what do they do? The fucking building is on fire. They don't know how to operate. Yeah. If they're in an elevator, if you're at a trip and you're in Miami and you're at an elevator and there's a random person on it and it's silent, what do you do? You probably talk to them. You say, where are you from? Yeah, yeah. What's up, man? There I'm are, just visiting. Yeah. There are fucking people uh, in that their is actually office crazy. building. Yeah. That don't talk to people that they've seen 30 years in a row. It's well, crazy. Well, you know what? It's funny because now that I travel a lot for work, <clears throat> I'm in Cleveland, right? I, I've been out in Cleveland. Like, you, you beer from Cleveland, right? I still go out. Yeah, I go in, out. In Cleveland. Yeah. Because I don't know who I'm going to see. And I think about it like if I was in Miami Where right now. Where do you like now, to go out to? I go out to West Six. I All go out to the yeah, Shout out to Joe Orvik, right? Yeah, shout out to Joe Orvik. That's my Orvick. guy. Joe Orvik, dude, me and Joe. Joe <laughs> That's my fucking guy, you dude. Have, dude, I used to work at Barley House. <laughs> oh, did you? Way back, man. Uh, I was a bar back there. Oh, so, you were a bar back at Barley House? At Barley House. Oh, cool. So Joe was like, Joe still runs a lot of stuff. You have to help me with terminology for bars sometimes. Like, I go to bars a lot. I go to clubs a lot. Uh, but I don't drink, so like bar back, certain let, let me tell like you this. that. I don't know any I love going to clubs, I, especially when you're traveling. Yeah. Because you meet people... Alcohol is almost like social lubricant. It, it, it's a young content creator or uh, young investor. It's their version of golf. Yeah. Because you're meeting and connecting. Yeah. It, it, it's so true. Golf is good too. I was just at a golf outing yesterday, which is crazy. But it's you're out. That's the business meeting though. Bumping into people yeah. and they're socially lubricated. They're not like they want to meet you deep down. They want to meet more people. They want to run into someone cool. And it's a lot easier to like, what's up, dude? Like, easier to strike up a conversation and people are more accepting because they're compartmentalizing an environment that is more prone to, to breeding conversation. So I love going to random nightclubs and bars at places. And they, they call me, my, my close friends here, we, we Lolo here, sound, wait, right? We get waters Shout out. <laughs> when we go to the bar, like religiously, right? Yeah. And I go to the bar, I just, I get, I'll be, and we, we'll joke, we'll be like, next round's on you, water, right? And that, that's just like, literally that's what it is. Cause on I, the rocks. Yeah. It's, it is what it, cause I don't look, I've drank before and I'll drink, but I, when I'm out, I like to be focused. I like to be raw in the moment. If there's a situation that calls for it and it, it really demands for it, I'll get You're with it. You're a people person though. Yeah. Yeah. Some people sadly, and you know, hopefully they can work through this, but they need a little bit of alcohol in order to get the courage to, 100%. Speak, to, to be personable and actionable with, uh, with their sometimes personality I, skills. And that's a bad mindset to have sometimes it's fair, yeah. because it's, like, it's I gotta get loose because it decreases inhibition. But, well, that that's the cold shower they should be doing. Yeah, talk without the alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. Now, see, putting it all together. Come on. But when I'm in Cleveland, I'm like, dude, what would I do if I was in Iceland? What would I do if I was in Dubai? I would go out to the bar would and you? try to meet people. Mm. Yeah, I would go out and try to meet. I would walk the streets. Be like, where are you from? Like, you know, there is a, a cool community though. Uh, if you do a little bit of adventure stuff, it's not going to be as many people as a bar or a club, but. People have such a high, like, when they're rock climbing or when they're paragliding or just certain things like that, they want to talk as well. Yeah. So when I'm in Iceland and maybe people, I'm not at the bar in Reykjavik, but I'm down in this little town called Vik and I'm going to these waterfalls. And it's maybe a known traveler spot, but not known to a lot of people. Skogafoss is a, a waterfall in Iceland that I, that I like to go to. I've been there two or three times. And... uh. The people that go, they're on the same like level as me. It's like, oh, you know about this place? I don't know about this place. Here's a good one. I'm in Capri last month. No, July. I was in Capri, which is an island, Capri Sun. It's pronounced Capri, though. It's an island off of Italy, in, like near the Amalfi Coast. And there's the Blue Grotto. A lot of people have heard of the Blue Grotto. 
Blue Grotto is a luminescent blue light mm -hmm. in the water. It's mm -hmm. a cave. When you get there, uh, they take you in boats, but they only take you in for about 30 seconds, and then you leave. So it's a little bit of a ripoff. What travelers know, if you're like an avid traveler, an adventure traveler specifically, you know that the boats leave at 5 o'clock. Again. And you can dive in there and swim in the Blue Grotto. And a lot of people don't know about this, but the ones that do, do, right? So I'm over with Carly on these steps, and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting for these boats to leave. It's 4.50, 4.55, and all of a sudden I see another couple, and I see three more people, and I see more people. And it's kind of like the bar scenario that you're talking about because it's like, why are you here? Yeah, oh, yeah. You're here because you know, yeah. And then all of a sudden we just start talking. Oh, you're from Oregon. Oh, you're from Argentina. That's sick. And yeah. then you can just kind of connect on that vibe. So my bar is those small little things only travelers know about that I, that, that I find people at. That's that, my version of a bar. And that's amazing because you can connect with people that have the same passion. Yes. Here. But the bar, here's not, not trying to encourage you to go. I'm going to get fucked up now. Yeah, yeah he's like, dude, uh, <laughs> after that podcast, right. he's been drinking nonstop. <laughs> you know, I get calls from family. No, you know what I'm drinking? Aquapana. Aquapana. That's what I'm drinking. So I go to the bar. You meet somebody that might have been dragged out, might have been brought out yeah, by a friend yeah, on yeah. a birthday, yep. and they never go out. And it, honestly, like I tell people this, like people will say, oh, I'm never going to find my husband at the nightclub. I'm never going to find my wife at the nightclub. I'm never going to find someone. Listen, you might find their brother, their sister, oh, yeah, that's their great. coworker. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like when I go I don't to, think that. I've met my girlfriend out. Yeah. I don't think that that's a... a, a some people have a that mentality. demonized thing, though. People, some people have yeah. that mentality. They don't want to meet their boyfriend or so, because if they're out at a bar. Well, however the world brings you together, it brings you together. I don't care if it's Hinge, Tinder, or exactly. fucking OnlyFans. Like, do your thing. Just right. If you are happy with the relationship, that's how you got brought together. 100%. But a lot, I, I like what you, what you broke it down to, the eight things. I am definitely I, – I, I don't go to a place to party. Yeah, you're not going to get fucked up. Yeah, yeah I'm not but going that, there. But you're a social person. But I am social, yes. and I will step out, even if it's like Rome. I, listen, I go out. Yeah. I love going out. When I'm in Miami, especially with like Jake and them, yeah. I go out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I love it. I was I just saw you at uh I think I saw you at Barley House the other Did you? When he was here, yeah. Oh shit, I was with Jake at Barley House yeah. the other day. I, I should have said what's up. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> you're good, you're good. Yeah, it was crowded. I, I, I'm not sure if he introduced us at that point yet. No, Mike, no, no. But no. But it was crowded and I think I, I recognize you from there. I'm like, oh yeah, with Oh, that's so funny. But it's good to go out and it's good to socialize with people and I think like network is net worth. I think that the big one of the big things that people have to work on. We live in such an anti-social society where we're incubated in our apartments and we turn off the Zoom and we're gone. People need to go up to more people. People need to talk to more people, and people need to have that. Have you ever heard of action potential? No, tell me. It's just you know, it's basically just a, a brain reaction. It's a neurotransmitter response where you know, you're, you're, if you want to do something, there's multiple action potentials that happen in your body. To, oh, cool. To trigger an event. It's just a very broken down biological concept, yeah. but. If you want to do anything, you just have to kind of go at it and, and create that action potential. A lot of times when we look at motivation and we look at intrinsic factors, back to this. With your I like the motivator fact, thing. I like the fact that you do these crazy things. Oh, thank you. It's rare to see someone do it at the level that you do it at. And I think that a lot of people can learn from number one, the risk that you take and from how you do it. But I want you to walk through like how did you start to train to jump off things? So when I was eighteen I had never obviously drank or smoked. I'm obviously not going to go out for my birthday and party. Uh, my dad said, my mom had already passed at this point. My dad said, what do you want to do for your 18th birthday? Now in my head, I'm like, okay, now that I'm 18, what can I do? I can go to like an Indian casino, right? I don't even know if that's a proper uh, no, it is, term. No, it is a proper term. All right. Yeah. Indian casino or uh, I can go to, I could, I could buy dip. I've never dipped before. I could buy dip. Oh, I can skydive. 
And he's like, oh, that'd be cool. And I was like, yeah, mom went when she was young. I'll skydive like she did. So I went, I did a tandem. I loved it. I did two more tandems. And then somebody comes up to me explain, and goes. Explain what a tandem a ta- is. Sorry. Okay. So a Go tandem ahead. is when you're strapped to somebody else, mm-hmm. right? It's like you've probably seen the Will Smith yeah. video. Everybody and, talks about that one. And another thing I want you, just for the people that don't know anything yeah, yeah. about it. How many times, how do you do it? Yeah, I'm going to say all that. Go right? for it, yep. So I did three tandems where I was strapped to somebody else, just a student, right? And a professional yep. takes you who has to have, they have thousands of jumps, right? Yep. Then uh, some guy who was at the drop zone, drop zone is uh, where we jump at, jump center, I guess you can call it. Some guy that was at the drop zone says, hey, you're wasting your money. Why don't you get your license? A license is 25 jumps. Now, it's not all tandems. You're alone. You have your own parachute on. But two people are like holding you stable. It's harder to get stable than you think, right? Like skydiving is not falling. It's sticking your hand out the window of a car and having the wind push back at you. So that's basically what it is all over your body. It feels like you're getting blown up. Now, obviously, you're falling. You don't really see the ground coming closer. It's not the most like adrenaline-filled activity. I know it seems like it is. Now, here's the thing about skydiving. Height is associated with with danger. It's very dramatic. We're born with that reflex. It's the opposite, though. The lower is much more dangerous. Because you have less time to less plan time, and coordinate. Right? So in skydiving, I got my 25 jumps. I have my A license. Now I have, you know, five, 600 jumps. But we have a lot of things that we don't deal with in base jumping. So, and I'll tell you how I got into base jumping in a second, but I'm skydiving. I'm in the drop zone. You have a big arrow on the ground. It's a big open field, and it tells you which way is a headwind. You want to land into a headwind. That way you go slower when you land. It all makes sense. Everybody's landing the same direction. Everybody has the same landing patterns. You have all these different, like, checks. You can't get on the plane unless you do this, X, Y, Z. There's all these different things. One day someone comes up to me. and goes, Johnny, there's an event called Bridge Day. It's an 876-foot bridge in New River Gorge in West Virginia. About 100,000 people come to watch. A couple hundred base jumpers. You should base jump. Now, a bridge is a forgiving object. Why? Because if I have an off heading on a bridge, which means I open up, this is, I jump this direction, I open up, I face this way, an off heading would be like a 90 left or a 90 right or God forbid a 180. There's nothing underneath the bridge that is going to kill me. Yeah. A building or a cliff is different. Yeah. Right? So a bridge is a little bit more of a forgiving bridge and that for a base jump, that's a big base jump. You don't have a reserve parachute. So in a, ba- in a skydive, you have a reserve, right? If I have a bad main canopy, Look right, grab right, look left, pull right, pull left, arch. Is it there? Is it square? Is it flyable? I have my second parachute out. I'm good to go, right? In a, a base jump, you don't have time. It takes about 700 feet for a skydive parachute to open. A base jump parachute has to open instantaneously. The reason it takes longer for a skydive is because terminal velocity. If it just snaps open, you're going to break your neck. A base jump, you're not going terminal velocity. You're jumping off of a dead air, a fixed object where you're speeding up, boom, you open. You're not going that fast. It could snap open. Obviously, the ground is right there. It's got to open fast. So I started doing this base jumping at New River Gorge Bridge Day. I liked it, which led me to go to lower stuff. Some One day, my, my base mentor named Adam, he calls me up. He's like, hey, we're going to do an antenna. Oh, man, that's, that's illegal, isn't it? Mm. He's like, yeah. So I remember my first day, it felt like a big kid playing ding-dong ditch. So you... You get adopted into this secret society. You climb it? Fuck yeah. I've climbed 2,000 foot antennas, bro. That took me like two hours. But that's like a terminal jump because you're getting a lot of altitude off that thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So you, I could take a monster delay. I think 10 seconds, I'm sorry, I think 12 seconds is true terminal velocity for an object to fall. And t- 10 seconds, you're like at the same speed almost as 12 seconds. Like it goes like this and then like 10 and 12 is like very similar. But uh, most base jumps is like a two or a three second delay tops. Down here with Cleveland's buildings, the one that we can get access they're to. They're not that big. They're like, 
one second static line. You know, you're open like as you jump type jump. So uh, I go to do this antenna. It was the, the, the groundwork, the sneaking, the climbing, the jumping, the getting in the car, the running away. Like it was such an addiction to me. Mission Impossible. Yeah. You felt like a fucking, yeah. you felt like James That's Bond. That's crazy. Right? No, I, I get it. So then that led to doing more stuff like that. Uh, lately I haven't done it. They're called bandit jumps if it's illegal. I haven't done as many bandit jumps. Fortunately, I've been out west a lot. And a lot of stuff out there, cliffs, they're legal. Not national parks, but a lot of the state parks, it's looked at kind of like rock climbing or paragliding, right? It's legal. And, uh, and that, that's, been, that's been fun. Now that I'm back in Cleveland, definitely going to get to my bandit shit a lot more often. But, that's definitely yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's how Bay Shemming kind of like came about. Bay Shemming is not just, oh, it opened, good job. That's not what we think about. The gear is designed to work. going to open. You know, knock on wood, right? It's going to open. What we think about is what happens after opening. Boom, parachute opens. I had an off heading. I've had several off headings, but I had a bad 180, 180 degree off heading, two second delay. So think about the cliff is here. I jump. If I took 10 seconds, it'd be one 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000. I'd be all the way out here, inertia. I took two seconds, one 1,000, two 1,000. Boom, I open. I have a 180. Boom, I'm facing the cliff. Smack, right? Think of a parachute like a sail now not a sail pulling you forward but a sail pulling you backwards right so if it's a bigger sail you're going at the cliff slower if it's a smaller sail you're going at the cliff faster i'm a smaller person so i jump a smaller canopy than someone that was bigger than me not the smallest in the world I'm not going the fastest as any other base jumper but i'm probably impacted the cliff in under two seconds i didn't have a lot of time to correct it and turn away hit the cliff and I started like fighting off the cliff pretty well. I'm kicking off, kicking off, kicking off. I finally get it and I turn off the cliff and I shredded my entire parachute. Just the sandstone from Arizona just ripped it up. Of seven cells, it's a cell, they look like they're big cells. Uh, five of them had holes in them. So now I'm flying out of this talus in Arizona <clears throat> that I otherwise would probably make it over. But because I'm losing so much altitude, I'm not able to clear this whole talus that I was supposed to clear and it took me I burned some altitude fighting off the cliff there's these chimney rocks at the bottom I land on them I get hung up my parachute catches on one of them most base jumpers die from cliff strikes and object strikes right that's why bridges are like the most forgiving right so I'm in the, I'm on this thing and I'm thinking holy shit what's broke you yeah. I gotta show you this video and we can get a reaction shot too yeah. of it. it's gnarly I'm like what's broke right I couldn't believe it Fortunately, nothing was broke. I ungear. I climb down, which is even sketchier than the jump. I'm like 50 feet off the cliff. I climb down. My parachute's shredded. I get a new parachute the next day from a buddy who, who let me his. And I thought to myself, if I go six months without jumping, I'll never jump again. I'll be fucking terrified. Right? I have to jump right now immediately. Because Otherwise, I'm fucked up. You know what's crazy? So pause that, right? Because... Number one, I got I to gotta see this video. I know, too. I'm pulling it out while you talk. So first and foremost, let's say you, this is a huge thing I coach people in relationships with. Right. You go to a restaurant every single day with your girlfriend, anniversary. You think that restaurant is about you and you become very like, I don't want to go there anymore because me and Stacy, me and Megan, me and whoever <laughs> used to go there all the time, right? Right. The first thing I'll tell you is like, go to the restaurant by yourself. Go to the restaurant by yourself. I eat alone all the time. Yeah. I go to movies alone, dog. So do, do you do it? Bro, I fucking love going to movies <laughs> I love alone. going. I put my feet up, have popcorn to myself, bro, and nobody talks to me. I'm the only. Yeah, I, it's I awesome. felt like I was only one. I'm like the most like extroverted introvert. Like I know how to talk. I love talking, but sometimes I just want to be alone. <laughs> well, that means you're, see, that's the technical term is that of, of, you're an introvert. 
because you recharge by yourself. That's I do. What, that's what that's I all need it is. that. Yeah. Like whenever me and my girlfriend like have like days where we're not doing anything, you know, she's like, Hey, we should, we should go to exhibition. We should mm-hmm. go shop. We should do this. And I like that. But when I have nothing to do, I don't, I'm not, I want to sit on the couch. <laughs> Extroverts recharge by talking to other people, being around family, doing this, doing that. Introverts recharge by being by themselves. Interesting. That's technically what it is. All right, I want to hand you this video, but if I touch it, it'll play. So it's this one on the far uh, left. All right, let's see. It looks, like, uh, it, it looks like I'm scrambling off the wall. You got the GoPro on. No tomorrow helmet. You on the right one? Mm-hmm. Okay. The ramp, right? I'm running off the ramp? Oh, yeah. You're spo- Oh, wow. Smack. Oh, do your leg. Leg. I did the stanky leg. Yeah. <laughs> so I start kicking off the wall. You see that? You see, like... yeah. yeah, yeah. The rocks and are you, just you fucking spin around. Right. I almost want you, you know what? Can, can you restart for a second? Yeah. I want you to listen to my audio. I'll be quiet. Jeez. Listen to this right here. <laughs> it's not over. Priorities. <laughs> Wait. Shit. Oh, dude, that's a hard hit. Yeah, that was a bad one. But yes, I, I thought. Okay, jump the next day, just to get it out of your system. Now, people see that video, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll catch it. People see that video, and so a lot of people see that, and you know the rural America dad who's like fucking idiot, you're wasting our tax dollars on your rescue, and this, that, like, they're saying some crazy things, right? I'm gonna go at those guys a little bit, you know, those dads in the middle of America that are making fun of me for living my life. What does the Constitution say? Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Not mm-hmm. your happiness, but my happiness. It does make me happy, right? And Alex Honnold, you ever watch Free Solo? No. You should watch Free Solo. You know what it's about? No, I have no idea. You got Anybody here watch Free Solo? No? You Free Solo? You seen it? Yeah. He climbs El Cap with no ropes. Okay. All right, Alex Honnold. Great documentary. It's on Netflix. Uh, there's another one called The Alpinist. It's on Netflix, which is really cool. Um, people are going to live their life, right? Now, does this mean if you love heroin, you should go do it? That's not what I'm saying, right? There's things that are that, – that there is a balance to things. It's not an addiction, but there is going to be things that, that I like that are going to be questionable to other people. Why would you risk your life and jump off things? I look at it as risking your life sitting in a cubicle. I look at that as life risk. Does that mean your life is going to expire as fast as mine? Probably not. But you're not going to have the same quality that I have because not because I'm jumping and everybody should jump, but because I'm doing things I like to do. You know what I mean? So like I get a lot of judgment in the base world, a lot. Not in the base world, I'm sorry. I get a lot of judgment in the non-base world about base jumping. Now, that video, I posted it, it shines a bad light on base jumping. It makes it look like a reckless sport. It makes it look like we have a death wish. It, every stereotype, right? Boom, it's there. So a lot of base jumpers were like, Johnny, why would you show that? I don't mean to ever, one, come off like a black belt base jumper. I'm not, right? I'm somebody who wants to get better at base jumping, get better at flying my canopy, at being a canopy pilot, and, and progress in the sport. But I also, I also want people who follow me to not think base jumping is all backflips 
and the Philippines and Thailand and Panama. It's not. It's not all glorious. There is an inherent risk that comes with it, and we accept that every single day. And that's a part of me that struggles because I feel selfish. I, told, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I feel selfish when I base jump because it is for me. It is because I do this and enjoy it, and it does put my dad or brothers or girlfriend probably in a what-if situation. I'm sure, they've had the, I'm sure they've had the thought. They've had, damn, if Johnny didn't come home from a base jump one day, like, that would be sad, right? The way that Carly fortunately makes it sound to me is she's like, well, yeah, you wouldn't be you if you weren't you. Everything is selfish. In uh, yeah, of course everything is. But, every, but that, is, that is something that if I had kids, I probably wouldn't do. Even, even, even the good is selfish. So I donate a lot to charity, right? I donate a lot of money. Oh, you're a very giving person. No, I'm not. I'm selfish. Yeah, but, but identifying that is good. Like, hey, it's okay that there is a benefit for me to donate also. That's okay. I feel good about you myself. You know what I mean? I genuinely feel good about myself. I think about like, wow, Mother Teresa must have felt like goaded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm helping all these people. So up. I have one. I'm trying to come up with a, sel- a selfless good deed, and I think I've kind of almost got there. Ready? Mm-hmm. It has to be a good deed for someone you hate, but that's not it because you can still, you can still feel good from that. Right. Oh, I, I was the bigger man. It has to be a good deed from someone you hate, they have to not know it came from you, you. Okay. and you have to not know that it was for them that you did it for. I'm trying to get, like, what's the most selfless it can be? Mm-hmm. You still have some residual effects from that, like good feelings, mm-hmm. but, like, that's, like, the, the closest you can get, you know what I mean, to, like, not selfish. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, but, like, even deep down in your innate wiring, you know that you're, you're going to feel s- good. Yeah, exactly. You're like, feel good. This is the thing. Everything that we do is selfish. You have to hate that you did it, then. That's, yeah. like, the, 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 the big, part. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as true altruism in a biological right. sense. That's what people... Altruism is, I give to you, and I, de- like, I, I lose. Right. A lot of times, people do things for other people in a quote-unquote selfless manner because it creates some kind of residual happiness in them. It creates some kind of relationship, right? I helped you out here. Now you, in theory, owe me. We, we're closer because I helped you in this way. So there's a lot of things that happen there. What you do is very interesting because there's two things. People are born with two fears in life. Public Everyone, speaking and well, no, it's, heights. It's, it's, it's not public speaking, actually. It's loud sounds. Oh, interesting. And it's heights. Those are the two fears, right? So babies, Loud sounds, really? Yeah. You, you In front of a baby, they're going to freak out and cry. Pause yeah. real quick. Two men are born with two things they think they can do in life. You know what that is? Without any training whatsoever, they think they can beat up any man and they think they can please any woman. Most of the time, they're wrong. But go ahead. Sorry. But that's, that's, I like that, though, <laughs> because if you have that belief, that's how men, men, are, men are straight warriors. Like I think that all guys – I think people lose that ability now to tackle fear because we live in a society that's so like be safe, be correct, be, don't, don't push the boundaries, don't do this, don't do that. Mm. You know, we, we have to do more. But what you do is interesting, because, and that's why I think so many people are not necessarily resentful of it, but they're, they're fearful of it. Because it's a natural fear. I know a Very lot true. of people our age, we're about the same. I'm 29, you're 30. People are scared of heights. A lot of people are scared of heights. A lot of people come into this apartment and they're like, yeah, it's high. Couldn't live here. If I did the exact same uh, risk level in a different sport, maybe it was like deep scuba diving or something like, you know, crazy, I don't think I would get the same pushback from close people around Because you know why? Scuba, scuba diving, great example. You're discovering yeah. the ocean. You know, there's animals. I'm discovering about myself, though. Exactly. But, no, but, but <laughs> what you do is awesome, though. Because yeah, you're literally, that's why I'm so fascinated by it. G- genuinely, like, not even just for this. Like, I know, I wish we got to talk about that more because we didn't as much. Yeah, which, yeah. There's a lot to talk about, which is cool. But it's, it's fascinating because 
what you do is just like you're see, it's not even like the vision and it's you're challenging yourself it's, like, you. in, it's overcoming yeah. who you are like i couldn't even compare it to business if i wanted to because in business there's a calculated risk with everything there's a lot of net reward i'm, I'm making this and i do learn about myself but it's not to the degree that you do it at right every everywhere i've learned about myself though i will say there's a reason in my bio on instagram tiktok and i know that doesn't sum up who i am but just go with it right there's a reason it says Johnny Joyce, wrestler, base jumper. Wrestler comes first. Because you build the. Is it the that's the, who I am. There's a wrestling mentality build you into. Yes, that's who I am. I'm a wrestler first. Base jumping is cool. Base jumping gets views. Base jumping is a lot of fucking fun. I'm a wrestler first. And wrestling's not fun. That's who I am. That's my identity. But yes, I do learn a lot about myself through travel, as we all do, through traveling, through base jumping. You know what's funny though? My passion is not necessarily. The stunts, right? Like wing walking is fun. Shark diving is a blast. I love shark diving. Uh, base jumping is the main thing that I post and share and want to progress at and get better at. My main passion, take wrestling aside for a second, is just traveling. And a byproduct of base jumping and shark diving and doing all these fun activities is, traveling. is I get to travel. Same thing right. with business. So I love tra traveling. Comes first. Like delayed flight, fuck yeah. What's going to happen now? Like the second... If everything goes as scripted, it's not that great. So it's almost like it's boring. When something goes wrong, mm -hmm. now we're traveling. Yeah, you know what I mean. And if everything was for sure, if nothing is guaranteed, then anything can happen. Yes, type of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I love business because I get to travel a lot. Oh, it's the best. I get to. Go, I love being a content creator, and I'm glad we live in a day and age where we can actually. It's so much fun because you can do. You can justify in the most messed up way, but it actually makes sense. I can justify going to South America, going to Europe, going doing this, going doing that. Because it's business, it's content creation. It's oh, it's yeah. content. It's for the content. Yeah, whatever. And as long and I'm I'm disciplined enough. I know you are as well to take the content and to not BS the content. So it comes out. Oh, awesome. I'll take it seriously. That's yeah. why, like, when I travel alone, sometimes it's easier. If there's there's certain friends I can travel with. Obviously, like Jake and them, like, are great about this. If I travel with certain friends, I could be vlogging. I could be talking. I could be doing all this stuff. If I'm with certain friends from like Cleveland, right, and I travel and I start vlogging, I'm like. Let me walk in the other room for a second. You know what I mean? Because they they just don't see it the same. It's it's but like what even for me, I'm scripting ideas. I'm me talking too. about things, yeah. dude. It's it's it's. Are you better going off script, or are you better when you plan out what you're gonna say? Great question. I really don't use a script a lot. I what I like to do is to create four bullet points, and this is for anybody that wants to. I create four major bullet points, right? And I stick to those four major bullet points. Sometimes yeah. I'll have five. Sometimes I'll have three. But I stayed at four, and I'll just jot them down in a sentence, right? Or I'll talk about – I'll leave it like one or two words, and then I just oscillate off them. Interesting. Because I, dude, when I first started doing videos and stuff like that, I made a lot of mistakes, right? English is like my fifth language. So I, I, I naturally – Really? Yes. What I, else do you speak? Hindi, Telugu, Urdu, and then some Punjab, Punjabi. Is like, Urdu and Hindi are very similar. How many languages are there in India? Dude. So India is so decentralized, and there's not a lot, a lot of technology. So, like, you'll have a village in this place that has been isolated for 100 years. Oh, my gosh. So there'll be a new language that comes out, and there's Tamil, there's Nepal. There's all That's these— wild. There's a lot of different languages in India. Does uh, Bhutan border India? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not good with ge geography okay. at all. But India is—in Hyderabad, the city I'm in, Telugu and Hindi are the main two languages. Very different. Totally different. Wow. People speak both, though, which is weird. They teach English in school. So you can learn English as you like. We, people talk English there, but it's not Americanized English. Like, I got, I remember when I was in high school, I got ragged on for this one thing, right? 
and it was like only a few people from my high school they might come up and say this, but I called this guy by accident and I was like, my bad, I butt dialed you. But instead of butt dialing, I didn't say I butt dialed <laughs> you. I said, I booty called you. Booty called me. Yeah. Oh, that's and, so funny. But you know how similar that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like literally, dude, and, and that's English is such a complicated language. That's funny. English, I've heard, and I, I only, I speak Spanish, but not, I speak better than most people, but I can't say fluently because in my definition, it's not fluent. Yeah. Um, but I've realized how long English is. Like, yeah. It's so long. There's so much slang yes. to English. And what I was saying here is like, I went, I messed up a lot when I first started creating content. I was not good at it. I messed up all the time. I, I had Yeah, to, but you had shots on goal. Yeah. Well, That's yeah. That's the important part. I would hit things. Now, yeah. I've done it so much. Honestly, like even the mess ups that I have, even when I don't speak correctly or I miss up a word, I can just keep rolling because you know, when you're creating content, it's not even about like, oh, this has to be perfect. This has to be great. Bro, I used to be like that though. Yes, I used and to. And I used to fuck, it fucked me up. Yep. Oh, I don't want to post this because it's not perfect. Yep. Oh, I don't want to do this. And you know what I realized? Dumbing it down, this sounds bad for people listening, but dumbing it down for the viewer helps. If it is, a podcast is different, but if it's like a base jump or travel or something that you're trying to post on Instagram and hey, I hope this performs well, which I don't think is wrong to say. I hope it performs well. Yeah. If it is a fucking red camera, Komodo, whatever, edited, sound, you know, external sound added in, it doesn't do that well. You know why? If it's an iPhone, it's like almost more, what's the word? There's more relatability. Relatability, yeah. And there's more actual authentic. Like, yeah, it's it, weird. You know, like, this is going to sound completely off topic. Pornography. People like watching amateur porn from iPhone videos and stuff. Really? Yes. And it's like a whole thing because they don't want the professionally shot they want like there's oh that's so interesting totally off but like they have like websites that are like filtered like like a TikTok like tick whatever it is I'm not even not sponsored by them or anything like that but like they'll they'll categorize it like that in an iPhone clip because it relates oh, to cool. people psychologically a lot more if you have a GoPro on they think like oh this guy's doing this with a GoPro and a parachute I can potentially do it yeah and it's those raw those clips that go viral off the internet are, are always my my not a not a it's a third person video of my base jump but an iphone video it's some video. iphone video it no it's sense. some crappy audio it's it's like in the yeah, mic yeah it makes no sense but i uh i do see a lot of things do well with my content when i accidentally say something wrong mm -hmm. or spell something wrong because yeah. it's human nature to correct me yeah and they're like like i went to this place called uh Liechtenstein, mm -hmm. which is a, a country and i pronounced it Liechtenstein or i whatever it is i pronounce it the opposite right Everybody fucking comments like it's this, it's this, it's this. Well, this is one of my most viewed things ever because it's more reaction. Starbucks does that too. Yeah, with the I, names. It's like, oh, that's smart. Yeah, yep, that, I, I do notice that. It's not. It's it's spelled this way. It's like, oh, my bad. Like I heard you clearly. This was a thing back in the day. Now I don't think they do it anymore as much. But when they first they started, like I knew a girl that worked at Starbucks and it's like, yeah, we we purposely misspell the names. Interesting. My dad works with Starbucks a lot. My dad. Uh, so my do you know where where. You live downtown right now. You never lived in the suburb, did you? No. Of Cleveland? Yeah. So there's a few hair salons in the Cleveland area. Not mm -hmm. Cleveland area. Northeast Ohio area that uh, are called John Roberts. Okay. So I think there's like five or six. My dad owns a bunch of hair salons because the hair salons did well when I was young. He's had them since 92. My mom was a hairdresser. He was a business guy. Mm -hmm. Because the hair salons did well, he started writing books about customer service. And customer service led to him being a customer service consultant and then a speaker. So yeah. he does – actually, you'd be interested in this. 
He has the largest customer service convention in the world in Cleveland, Ohio. It's crazy. Every October. Where yeah. at? Uh, is it? Do you know Hilton? You didn't know that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's at the Hilton. Uh, but we've had some great people come speak. Gary Vee was supposed to come speak one year. Really cool people come to speak. This one guy named Captain Plum. I'm gonna tell you his story in a second. He's a really good guy uh, that comes and speaks. But the long story short, the reason I bring this up is when uh, whenever you go to Starbucks, if this this is in the past, not anymore. They have a, a quote on the inside of their aprons. And my dad designed the quote so they would see it to inspire them every time they would put it on. It's pretty cool. Uh, but what did now, it say? Yeah, <laughs> what did it say? We inspired, da, 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 da. something cheesy, but you know, probably good for and, business. And any keynote speaker, any any big speaker, I don't think they ever start a background in speaking. I like a lot of like, no all, business first. Yeah, all yeah. the top speakers I know. Like I'm I'm tr- really trying to find an example of this. Like I know people that like hit me up. Like that's hey, all I'm, he does now, though. He only speaks. Right. He doesn't even go to the salons anymore. Right. But a lot of people hit me up. I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to do this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, do something. Well, this is the thing. People ask me how I got into coaching and what I do. You had businesses first. I had a business. I had yeah. businesses. Our financial firm. Young guy comes in. Right. This is like the full story. Young guy comes in. 18, 19, they start working with me in insurance or financial services. They make a ton of money, right? Mm. They go from making 30000 to 300 k in a year, right? When you have money at a young age that's undisciplined, that's unrefined, you get people that are they, – they amplify all their negative characteristics. They party. They go out. They cheat on their girlfriends, all that stuff. Next thing you know, 2 a.m., I'm getting calls. Where is he? I know you know where he's at, my husband, <laughs> ever since he started working with you. And so I had to coach my guys to not be boneheads and not mess up in certain ways. You've got to do this. And this is where, like, the relationship coaching comes from, too. Like, it's like, you can't do this stuff. You're going to mess up your life. You're going to get into bad habits because your relationship has – the person that you're – Carly is is your eating mate. You sleep. You you spend time with her. You yeah. split rent with her. Whatever it is, like, you, you you stock the fridge with her. You go in the bathroom. Her, her, her comb is out. You have so many overlapping levels of influence with this person that you have to pick the best person possible. Otherwise – if you have a bad relationship with your girlfriend, if something's going wrong, if you or her and her are fighting one day, you might not have the mental stamina to go process that jump or be in the right mindset for oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And so that's why it's so important to pick quality relationships in your life. And a lot of times in finance too, we have to win the wife before we win the husband to even do this kind of stuff yeah. because we're commission sales. Nobody wants to go from a safe, secure paying job to something that's commissionable, even though the performance factor might be significantly higher. Right, because it's, it's risky. It's risky, yeah. exactly. And so I had to start coaching people in relationships and into not messing their lives up because that's what happened when you amplify. When you take someone that's not – this is lottery winners too. Lottery winners make a lot of money, and they it's a lot of them go bro- broke. Well, that's the lifestyle they were – Because they're living. not disciplined right. to handling that level of money. They're not disciplined to living that lifestyle. And so that's how that's the what, coach I, – I, I know that Jordan Peterson's kind of controversial, and not a lot of people like him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't like everything he says, but he does say, if you win the lottery, are you prepared – like if you're going to give your best friend a million dollars, are you prepared to deal with the side effects of what getting a million dollars would leave him? Like in a bad way, mm-hmm. which is such an interesting way to like think about something good happening, you know? It's because you're not – you're injected into a very high level. Right away. It's too yeah. much for a lot of people. And No, I agree. Trust me. When I was younger and I was making money with insurance, right, I was making a lot of money more than any other 22-year-old, 23-year-old. That uh, 23 is really where I headed off. I was making a stupid amount of money, and I, my ego was like I make twenty times, thirty times the amount of money right now. My ego is a lot calmer because I've been gradual and I, I cool myself down. And I also c- consistently surround myself with people in the financial business that you know, guys that are doing it big yeah. level, hundred mil, one billion a year net. Like they're killing it. This industry, these guys own NFL teams, NBA teams. They own places that you don't even understand. They're behind the scenes. 
now that I've surrounded myself in those areas, I'm so humbled by it. But when I was young and I was hitting really like when you hit over seven figures, that's when you realize how broke you are yeah. because somebody's making that in, in an hour on a boat, on a yacht in, in Miami, you know, signing a deal. But the big thing is I got into coaching, right? And I don't know what, like you got into coaching because you were good at it and you get into speaking because you're good at it because you might, you might be a public speaker one day. Who knows, right? Your dad got into it probably because he was good at something. Yeah, he was good at speaking. Yeah. So a lot of times, like when you when you have to when you want to impart experience or anything that you want to give to people, you have to accomplish something in a very niche category. Well, it's incredible too. There's a credible side to it. Yeah, and you like know I can't come in here and talk about wrestling and fear if I didn't wrestle. But the thing is, what you do, the things that you do on a day to day basis, it it transverses so many different categories in life because. Jumping off the metaphorical building is the same thing for someone quitting a job, quitting a job, yeah. signing up for an online course and, you know, opening a new business, leaving a marriage, getting married, mm. you know, whatever it might be. No, absolutely. No, that's very true. I, um, you said a couple of things that made me think, uh, oh, going back to what you said about like relationship a little bit. I do think when you said win the wife and you brought up Carly Something that I really like that I don't think a lot of people think about. I've had a few girlfriends, obviously, before Carly. And whenever we start out in the dating world, some people it's younger, some people, you know, maybe earlier in high school. And I'm saying real dating, right? Some people don't get into the first relationship until they're 25. Yeah. I have no idea, right? Whatever. Whenever you first start out in the dating world, a lot of people have a list of things that they want in a partner. Well, I want them to be loyal. I want them to be respectful. I want them to be nice to my family, right? And when you start dating them and the first argument or two arguments happen, it is funny how there's things you had no idea you needed. Wow, I did not even know I hated that and they do this and I hate it, right? So boom, my list grows for the first girlfriend. Boom, I move on to the second girlfriend. Then, wow, I had no idea I would dislike this in somebody. I need someone who doesn't do that. I had no idea that existed. My list grows. Then I meet Carly, I start dating Carly. The opposite happened. It was cool. It was like, wow, I had no idea I liked this. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, this small little idiosyncrasy that we're doing. I can't live without this part now of a relationship. And that's that's like a cool thing to have, especially when I live the lifestyle I do, because she's gonna be here in Cleveland, not traveling. Like I probably travel, I don't want to put a number on it because I don't know. I put sixty thousand miles on my car this year, right? That's on my car. That's in the United States. Outside of just that, I went to 10 different countries in 2023. Yeah. So 10 countries in 2023 and, and probably 50,000 right now. So I'm averaging about 60, 50,000 miles on my car this year already. Yeah. That's a lot of traveling. That's a lot of time she's not here. And she's supportive. And she's like, it's crazy when you meet somebody that. But that's, that's it's so crazy. rare. It's and I, crazy. And I'm, I'm so happy for it's you. It's the best thing ever. I'm so happy for you because it's hard to find that. See, the, the big thing is, and I'll, I'll talk you, to, What's your longest relationship? Three years. How recent was it? It ended, honestly, not too long ago, right? It ended, uh, I don't even know if Abruptly I Abruptly or were you guys like on the way out? On the way out. Um, and I've had a lot of bad relationships. A lot of my relationships were very toxic and that's why I talk about a lot of toxicity because I've had girls cheat on me, hit me, abuse yeah. me. Like, you know, it sounds like kind of kiddish, but like there's, no, 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 when I'm it comes like... to female manipulation, it can be kind of bad. It goes both ways, but it's hard. You know, one of the hardest things in my own relationship, I'll tell you this, was TikTok. Really? Why? Because I remember going out and getting recognized by people and it just put her in a... Jealousy or what? 
not even jealousy. Like it wasn't that this person was jealous. It was more so that they didn't like the fact that I was getting recognized because the amount of attention I got. Number one, put that it says in, a lot about them though. Yes, but put it in terms of a woman, right? Let's say your b- girlfriend Carly, for example, is a bikini model. Uh-huh. Temptation, right? People are gonna hit her up. People are gonna DM her. Of course, it's like you're happy for her in some senses, but like you can rationalize it in so many different ways. Like it's I, it's hard for your partner. If I had, if I had a girlfriend that's a bikini partner, I have to be mentally strong. It's yeah. not that I have to, like. It's absolutely no. It's like I just got to be prepared for this. I'm dealing with a very attractive woman. She has a body that she worked very hard for. I have to be. Yeah, you don't want to keep the Ferrari in the fucking garage. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you you drive you. a Ferrari. You're going to have to. You're gonna get looks. People are gonna pull up to you and right. stuff like that. Same thing. Great example. But that's the thing. It was like I would get recognized, and I don't use my. This is a big controversial thing. I don't post my relationships on Instagram. Interesting. I don't. If I honestly. You have a lot of relationship followers, though. Yes, I do. Talk about that. And I don't post. I don't post my relationship on Instagram because I think Instagram and social media is gr- the best use for it is business for expanding. your I content. think social media is the best of every app people try to make. LinkedIn, Tinder, Bumble, whatever it is. LinkedIn is for business. Bumble is for dating. Instagram is for both. Instagram is everything. Dude. It's everything in one. Yeah. I am. I hate Instagram lately because they're screwing up the app, but. It could be such a tool or such a weapon. It could be weaponized Double so sword. fast, yeah. right? It could be, I'm looking at this, I'm depressed. The, the same way you look at the Lion King. It's so funny how we look at things. People look at things differently. And then also, I don't agree with the, with the phrase, you can't change your past. I actually think you can. You know mm-hmm. why? You can change how you look at something and how you let it affect you. For yeah. example, the way you viewed the Lion King when you first saw it was what a wonderful movie. The second time you saw it was what a wonderful tribute to his father Mm -hmm. and it was different because of the way you looked at it so your past changed how you looked at the lion king so social media is the same thing if i am in miami and i i don't make a ton of money right and i'm around a bunch of gazillionaires and they're on yachts and i'm this and i'm i'm not on my own yacht but i'm asked to go on somebody else's yacht you're on you know a bunch of gazillionaires right right, but but but, you know i mean it's and then i go on social media it would be very easily for somebody to be like, damn, look at all these people that got money. Look at this. Look at all these people that are traveling all over the world. That this, that this, that this. And I look at it differently to the point of if I'm in the middle of Italy right now and I'm on a trip and then I look at social media and I see people traveling, I'm like, oh, man, they're traveling too. How cool. Yeah. And it's like it could be used as such a tool or such a weapon. And a lot of it has to do with like how you approach to going into it. So. You know, there's a, a bad stigma with a lot of people, especially later in their 20s with social media. A lot of people put down social media a lot more often. They don't like it. I don't post anymore. Obviously, the younger kids, you know, they're more frequent about it. Uh, it all It's just how you approach it, in my opinion. I I have fortunately never fallen, felon, whatever the felon, fallen, <laughs> fallen into the the landslide of comparison. I've never had the depression on social media. I haven't either. Which, which I, I'm, and I'm not saying it's not easy it's, for other people to happen. It's a, it's a very common thing. Yeah, a lot of people talk about it. Like I have to put it away. I start to get too wrapped up in other people's highlights. I've never had that. But you know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you. Prob- you probably have never had that because you're so caught up in the present of what you do. I, I try to ba- do cool. Basically, shit. what yeah. you do is basically the anti. I wouldn't want to say antidote, but like it's a very heavy factor that pushes against the idea of social media because the amount of attention and attraction that you can draw from social media is minute compared to the the stuff that you do. Yeah. So you know, like this is what life is really about, and what, that's why, like, I think that if some people had that, like, did one thing that you did, it's almost like a vampire having real blood. You know. 
You become addicted to it. Well, you know what people become addicted to also is I, I like when my videos do well. I've had videos have 40, 50 million views. That's yes. great. Yeah. I've had videos be shared by SportsCenter. Great. I've had videos be shared by Barstool. Great. And it gives me a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are scared to say that. And here's, here's what I want to talk about. The first video I ever had that went viral was a video of me and my buddy Anthony on a hot air balloon. I'll send you this video too, Lolo. A video of me and my buddy Anthony on a hot air balloon. And I said, Anthony, I have a great idea. I think this is going to be a viral video. <laughs> I think this is going to be cool. Not only that, but I like skydiving. So like, you know, let's make a viral video if I'm doing something I like. It's not like I'm doing this for the video, but I like skydiving. Let's get a cool video out of it. I'm going to hang from your arm outside of the parachute. You're going to hold me. And you're going to be like, no, don't go. And I'll be like, don't let go. And then I'm going to jump, right? And people have jumped out of balloons before, but it's going to be the anticipation of letting go. It's going to be fun. So we do it. He lets me go the first time. Accidentally, we don't get a good video. I'm like, fuck, I really wanted that. I call up this balloon pilot. I'm like, can we run it back one more time? Fortunately, he let us pack up, go again. We do it again. It blows up. Barstool, memes are, puberty, all these big accounts. They're sharing it. They're posting it. And I remember I was coaching, I coached wrestling at Harvard. I was coaching at Harvard. I was living in Cambridge. And that's like a soft flex. <laughs> I, uh, I was living in Cambridge. And I was like, you know what? I am so excited to check my phone. I was at practice. And I was not even paying attention to practice. I wasn't present. I'm so excited to check my phone. I just want to see who hit me up, who commented, which, which account shared it next. Like, is it going to be Sports Center? Is it going to be House of Highlights? I'm so excited. And then I ran to my phone after practice. And I said, whoa, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Why am I so excited about what Joe Schmo from fucking Kansas commented on a viral video right now? that I'm like running out of practice for and I can't even be present. So then I put my phone down for like 30 minutes and I was like, don't look. Don't look until I accidentally open up the app just out of like instinct, right? So then I came up with a a rule for myself. I am allowed to appreciate the views. I am allowed to get excited over comments or a video doing well, especially if it is making a return financially, Mm -hmm. until I like the views more than I like the action that I'm doing. As long as I like skydiving or base jumping or traveling more, I'll post and whatever and appreciate it. But the second I start doing this for I'm sorry, start doing this for this, that's when it becomes wrong. I've I've people, tra- pe- people fake things though in order to get views. You know what I mean? With social media it's very interesting because we become very addicted to it a lot because social media has a propensity to the views or dopamine, the the clicks and the notifications, but I think a lot of people will struggle with the idea of like when I first started TikTok too, like when it first started blowing up, dude, I, I was like, this is how 18 year old girls feel. Like this is how the IG models feel. Yeah. Like, just fast. hundreds of DMs a day. Hundreds. Yeah. And the replies to their stories. Dude, on TikTok, yeah. it's thousands a day. I don't think people even understand. Oh, you get a lot of messages on TikTok. I don't get as many messages. Dude. I see like a, re- a request thing. I always just clear it, but it's not that, I don't think it's that many. Dude, it, it's crazy. I think a lot of people that have the size account that I have, they may not get those messages. What do you have right now? 900? Like 900,000, right? Yeah. But I'm giving, I'm coaching people through things. I'm talking about things. People are like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Thousand a day. It's, dude, it's a lot of questions. It's insane. It, but Instagram, that's why I tell people to message me on Instagram because it's just a lot less. It's more manageable. Instagram is like a business it platform is, yeah. now. You can FaceTime people. You can voice record. You can send photos in there. I mean, it's like a full email yeah, hub, sure. low key. Like I wish they made a desktop email processing thing for it where you can ha- have authorized users. Instagram. You know, throw it in there for me. But yeah. big thing is, 
I, it, I never got too addicted to it. I never got in the depression of it. I never got in the comparison of it because I do a lot of stuff and I keep myself yeah, very you're busy. Active. You're the, very actionable. The thing is you can get very large amounts of views for like a, if, that's the thing like with Jordan Peterson, what happens if you got this million dollars? What happens if you got a million views, right? To the 16 year old girl. Yeah. You're it, not prepared it for that. It throws your mind. It's a great thought. Yep. You're not prepared for that because what will come with it is a lot of anxiety for a lot of young people. Yep. A lot. And it's so interesting to, to, to have that people going, this is a Dunning Kruger effect we all have in people being famous young. Oh, Justin Bieber, he signed up for this. Oh, they, they, you have no dude, fucking idea what these so, people deal with. It's, dude, so they signed up for that. They, we pay for their, uh, their entertainment. Shut the fuck up. Funny thing is, Barley House. So Justin Bieber came to Barley House years ago. I right? didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. During the cast. Shout out to Joe Orbeck. Yeah, Joe Orbeck <laughs> was there. It was a Tuesday. I remember going in to, to Barley House and, dude, when this guy was like, there's a C. I've seen like LeBron, like LeBron obviously in Cleveland. I've seen a lot of celebrities and yeah, stuff like Joe that. Joe Hayden's in them go there yeah, a lot. Yeah. Bro, Justin Bieber, that's an, another level. There's another level yeah. of stardom there. Like, I don't even know. There's women that are crying. Oh my God, tell him I love him. Like, like literally like hurting themselves, like mentally, physically. Like that's wild. It's insane. I've never seen it like that. And yeah, it, it's hard to live that lifestyle and people don't understand like, oh, this guy has everything that he wants. Dude, he can't even step out. Can't. Dude, he, it, it's the same. I, I was with Jake one time and he was like- He's uh, another one. Jake's, Jake's, Jake, Jake, Jake's, Jake's A-list, right? Bro, like he's got a easy. lot of people. So I was with Jake one time and who was like Walgreens. He's like, bro. I was like, what? He's like, I haven't been here in so long because they can't just do things. You can't just do, even me now, I see people that look at me and I know they recognize me, but I'm not that recognizable to the level. They know I'm from somewhere. Yeah. Like, so when I went to my office in Detroit, people were like, like five, 10 people at a bar. Jake is not even, he's S-less, bro. He's like a level ahead. Yeah, like probably it, one of the most talked about people ever. There's a lot of time, like traveling with them. If I'll go with Jake and, 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 them to you know we went to Hawaii last year to get November last year together it's a different type of travel like for me I could just snap my fingers and go climb a mountain or go do something people don't appreciate that and now. and it's like it's so easy and accessible for me to do because I don't have to worry about all these things when we have to do something with Jake I wanted to take him snorkeling which fortunately I was able to but it's like okay we have to get the cars we have to get the security. Security. We have to get the, you know what I mean? Everything becomes a mission. It's like, okay, now we have to get to like, where are we going to park? Because the cars need to be there in case it gets too crowded so they can, he can run out. And, and we have to get to uh, easy access into the venue or into the place where we're going or to the beach or the, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's crazy. It, it's a different type of shopping. It's fun. I'm grateful that I have it and that experiences. But I do love the, what's the word? I don't know, the flexibility that, that I'm able to have with I book one way trips everywhere I go. I, that's, that's amazing. I will never book a round trip because it, it locks you into to think. What if you're walking like I went to, you know? I oh see it's funny. I always do round trips. I'm businessman. Yeah, you're, I have you're, to come yeah, back. You need to but be no, here. It's, it's amazing but, that we can it, appreciate it, that. But it, but it, it, it for me it locks me into. I never book a hotel until I'm there. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Because now this isn't good for a lot of people because they do. It's funny how much knowledge gives you comfort. Mm -hmm. A hotel usually doesn't change like a flight changes in price. Mm -hmm. Fl flights change, so it makes sense for a lot of people to like, hey, we need to book this flight, okay? I get it. But hotels don't change price. If a hotel is 300 bucks, 200 bucks, it's probably 200 bucks in a month from now. It, it's usually the same. There's peaks for certain seasons. I'll say this too. That. Hotels 
are typically cheaper if you book them a day before. Right, because they need to fill the thing. Because they need to fill it, 100%. Yeah. So it's funny how knowledge gives you comfort because I just want to know where we're staying. It's the same reason people walk to their gate and look at it before they go get food. My gate exists. Now I can go. Yeah, it's like just the knowledge gives you comfort. Yeah. So it's like for me, if I book – if I look – I'm going to the Philippines. I did this in the Philippines. If I look online. My buddy Anthony was like, should we book a hotel? I'm like, no, nah, that's how we get there. We, we book a hotel. If we were to, the one we were looking at, it says it's, oh, 0.2 miles from the city center. You're like, oh, you're right in the heart of it. Like, no, it's like three, 30 minutes outside the city center. It's so far away. Now you're booked in for four nights there. You didn't want to be there for four nights. It fucks you over, right? And also for me, because we're good with people, I end up meeting people, and they're like, hey, you want to go to Ibiza? Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Spain one time with my buddy Bryce. And we booked a hotel, and he's like, hey, want to go to Ibiza? And we just meet these people. And they're like, yeah, we do. And the fact that we didn't book a flight anywhere else yet, we were only in Barcelona. We were able to just say, yes, let's go. go. So that kind of stuff is nice. I I did that in Medellin one time with uh, with my brother. We went to Medellin, and we were like, should we fly home from here? Should we go to Bogota? I was like, well, I've never been to Bogota. It's a capital. Let's go. I did the same thing. I went to Cartagena, and then I went to Medellin. That's what I did, too. And then I went to Bogota. After that, I went to Bogota. But it's like the fact that I'm able to like— to just jump on. I'm not locked in. Yeah. That gives a lot of people anxiety because that's a lot of unknown. But guess what, people? Going to get back okay. Yeah. You're going to get back okay. It's not going to be thousands of dollars different. It's going to be a one or 200 bucks difference. You know yeah. what I mean? It, you're going to get back all right. I don't make that much money, and I'm able to do this. Everything I make, I spend. On traveling, I, th- I I have the same stuff on for years because I spend it all on trips. So, and it's all my own stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, do you mind if I talk about that for a second? Yeah, I, I, I want to tell you about it. Go for it. So, somehow I own the trademark "No Tomorrow" in the entire United States, which is a common phrase. So it's cool that I own it. How do you you, you trademark? I trademark the phrase "No Tomorrow." Yeah. yeah. And I own a company called Live No Tomorrow, and basically what I do is I do everything alone. It's all me. I have a little bit of apparel, merchandise that I sell, but really, that's the way I would monetize it, but really, it's my way of telling people stories. So, what makes you feel the most present? No, it's not, no, tomorrow, go jump off a building, kill yourself. Maybe (laughs) it's jogging. I feel present, Mm -hmm. right? And being present doesn't mean you're not focused or preparing for your future. Being present means I know what I'm doing right now is going to help my future, right? Like, I'm fully here. So maybe it's yoga like we talked about with old Megan, right? Mm. Shout out to Megan. Yeah, Megan. Maybe, maybe there's some Megan there's listening some to Megan, this. Yeah, she's like me. Yeah. She's a yoga teacher. She's like, I did this. We're going to get a DM five yeah, years later yeah. if it wasn't for you. Well, uh, but, you know, it's it, it, maybe jogging. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's I, I love art. Maybe it's music. For me, it's skydiving, adventure, travel, whatever it is. Whatever makes you business for you, whatever makes you feel very present, do it. And then my, you know, live no tomorrow, my, my, my page, my company – I want to just tell those stories through media. Like, hey, this person, like I have a buddy named Tanner. He had a nine-to-five in in Seattle, and he just hated it. Books a trip to Florida one time, goes shark diving as an excursion. He is now, he quit his job. He stayed in Florida, canceled his flight home. That's crazy. He is now one of the videographers on Discovery Channel Shark Week. That's crazy. Right? He, he, He does shark excursions all over the world. The Maldives, you know, Mexico, everywhere. Right? Unbelievable. So I want to tell those kind of stories. You came from India. You started, you know, your businesses. Now you're just talking to people, learning about their lives. No tomorrow. Like, are we? At, I'm nowhere else right now. I'm right here right now, and it's awesome. You know what I mean? So that's that's what No Tomorrow is for me, and I monetize it until I can monetize it more through media. I try to monetize as much as I can through apparel, but but that's that's one of my biggest passions: being able to storytell and talk about people 
doing badass shit in the present. It's mm-hmm. fucking cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. No, you, dude. I gotta grab some merch. Oh, I'll throw you some. Absolutely. Yeah. Just for having me on. I appreciate it. I wanna I wanna end this on on one thing. What's I know. One? I could talk to you all day. I know. It's we, so we, easy. We, we could talk all day. Yeah, this is like a Rogan podcast right now. Three hours dude, long. Dude, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's one thing you want people to know? Like, what, what's one thing you would say to people that, like, a message, take home? Advice or about myself? Advice. People that I want to know about advice. If people learn anything from you, what would it be? You know, I talk a lot about present. I talk a lot about doing things that you love. I think my main thing is a precursor to those, which is being less focused on outcomes. Your identity, we introduce everybody based on outcomes, and I don't like that. Hey, this is Johnny DeJulius. He wrestled Ohio State. He was a three-time state champ. Outcome, outcome, outcome. Hey, how, do we, how do we determine who's better, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? We use outcomes. Six rings, whatever. I, I don't love when people when people's identity is caught up in, the, in an outcome because I don't think that encompasses what it is. For me, I had this kid that I wrestled every day at practice. If he beat me, I'd be pissed. If I beat him, he'd be pissed type thing. When he would beat me, I would take practice home with me. It was a part of my identity. It was uh, Nate, Tomasello. I would, I would take practice home with me. It'd be like, fuck, he beat me today. Oh, man. Practice stays at practice. But what does come home with me? Did I risk? Well, guess what? I become a risk taker in real life. That becomes a part of my personality. When I was exhausted, did I try to shoot? Well, now I'm a tough motherfucker. Guess what goes home with me? I'm a tough motherfucker in real life too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things become a part of who I am. The result stays there, but it's easy for us to think the result goes home with me. If I beat this kid at practice two to one, but I tried zero moves and I just squeaked out a little win, we think the, the win comes home. I'm sick, but guess what really comes home with me? I'm not a risk taker. I don't put it on the line. I don't, you know, get uncomfortable on purpose. That things, those things become a part of my personality. So for me, it's not the outcome that is who you are. It's not your identity. It's the steps leading up to the outcome. If you are somebody who's going to make a million dollars, but you don't pay your employees well, and you rip off a lot of customers, you're not a millionaire. That's not your outcome. That's not your identity. You're, you're a scam artist. That's your identity because that's the choices you made to become that outcome. If you're somebody who pays people well and you donate to charity and you're a good person and you know what? Your, your, your employee has no more time off but they have a wedding they have to get to and you say, yeah, you know what? Go do it. I, need, I, I know that's important. And you're a good boss. Guess what? You might be a millionaire but that's not what I look at you as. I look at you as a good motherfucking person. So it's less about your outcomes and more about the choices you make leading up to those outcomes that really you know, speak a lot about who you are as a person. That's what I'd like people to know. I love that. You know, I'll say this too. A lot of times people don't do what they want to do because they're scared. I struggle with not doing that. <laughs> well, they're scared because let's say, you know, I, 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 let's say I, was, I wanted to sing. I wanted to be a musician, for example. A lot of times people don't do it because they're scared of being rejected and not fulfilling that idea. So they're like, I could have done this. Oh, yeah, I was, I'm pretty good at music. I could, I could be a musician if I wanted to. But once that dream gets rejected, they have to then carry it. And the possibility of I could do this is just much more satisfying. So I love what you said, man. I appreciate your time on here. Thank you for having me, man. Thank hey, you for being th- here. Thank you for setting it up. <laughs> Mr. Mike over there. That's uh, my guy. Shout out Candy for this whole setup. I appreciate. Um, yeah, Doug Price. That's the guy. Doug Price is the guy. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he, he's huge. Yo, but I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And we're done. We're good. Cool, man. Okay, everything good?